Welcome, one and all, to Ladies with Gumption, episode 10. 110. Fate and Perry. <laughs> we are the Ladies with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. I am Tatiana, and I'm here with... Jessica. And May. Mm, just kidding. I was like, no, May is not here. You can find us <laughs> at DCTV Gumption at Twitter. Uh, ladieswgumption at gmail.com if you want to send us an email of feedback or ladieswgumption.tumblr.com if you want to send us an ask that we would most likely respond to on the Tumblr. We shall see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. If you are um, a Patreon, uh, then member then thank you you will get uh, the episodes one day in advance and our most recent patreon special is up which is for witcher season one which i am currently playing which is why i'm so confused because now i have to switch to dctv instead of <laughs> to novigrad all right <laughs> um and if you are not a patreon member feel free to join us at www.patreon.com slash dctv gumption although you know Maybe you are saving your money to hoard toilet paper, which is your right. (laughs) (laughs) In news, Doom Patrol has cast uh, some actors for season two. We have Samantha Marie Ware is one of Jane's new personalities. Well, not a new personality, but new to us. I'm sure that Jane has been hosting that personality for quite a while now. And Karen Obalam as Ronnie Evans, a military veteran with a mystery past that connects with Vic at a PTSD support group meeting. And that's very exciting. Also, I don't know if Andy has already put up these interviews or if he ever will, but I will say that I did interview Vic's father, Silas Stone, because he was in Superman Red Sun. And I asked him, we do, you know, what can we do? (laughs) Tell me something about season two. And basically he said that the relationship between Silas and Vic is going to be a lot warmer in season two, but they still have that push and pull dynamic that will not go away. So there you go. And that we're going to get to delve into it more since, you know, we have moved on from the initial total distrust of season one. So great success. Anyway, um, on the nuts side, although, I mean, it is, it's good in terms of preventing further outbreak but sad for us, all of the DCTV shows, basically all of the Vancouver WB shows, have shut down production um, due to coronavirus fears. It started with Riverdale, who there was a um, first in that tested positive, right? Yeah, well, it was yeah, a team I member who came into been contact with yeah, someone. Exactly. Oh, okay. Some team member, you know, staff member had extended contact with someone else who had tested positive, so they were shutting down. And I don't know if they were going to get everyone tested or if they were just like, everyone go isolate <laughs> just in case. I'm not sure which way it went. But then soon after that, um, the flash shut down uh, and uh, David Harewood announced that Supergirl had to. I think he said all of them had. David yeah. Harewood kind of made all of them. Had. Yeah, um, he's like, that... I don't know what to do with my, my myself. For yeah, like, it's called, like, tweet your descent into madness. <laughs> exactly. He was, he was uh, live tweeting his unemployment. Which had some people concerned that that meant that he was just randomly fired. But no, he was just referring to not being able to go to work that day. So um, I think it's a good, I mean, I like it's unfortunate that 
it has to be this way, but it is important that everyone take care of themselves and take care of others. Because even though you might get it and then just have like a bad flu, uh, people with auto with compromised autoimmune systems or older people have a much more difficult time fighting the virus. Right. And then if you're like unintentionally, like unintentionally, like spreading it everywhere, then that's not good either. So, I mean, it sucks because, you know, you're entire like social world like limited very quickly yeah but, but hey I mean, then yeah. you'll realize how much of your social world is already on social media because then you'll be like nothing is different <laughs> it's crazy well, that, i mean that's a good and bad thing because i feel like twitter is one big blob of anxiety right now and it's like i have to log yeah. off you guys are too being too much it's like 20 times worse on there yeah. i think <laughs> girl would tell like, us I like, this I like, like i try to like keep you know you, you know, be cautious wash your hands and um like wear a mask or, or whatever, um, you know, do all like the safe things, but you do get like paranoid when you, because you hear about it like so much and, yeah. you know, everyone's like freaking out about it that, you know, if I get like the slightest like sniffle, I'm like, oh my God. Exactly. Same. <laughs> like, last, yeah. like we went to CVS last night to pick up like vitamin C and like, you know, feminine hygiene products. And then I was like, I feel ill just being here. I feel sick now. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and it's it's what's really weird is like everyone's like avoid groups, and then I I went to the grocery store like an hour ago, and I'm like, you're all here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just wait. we're all avoiding groups together. <laughs> we're not very good at this. Everyone about that one dude in Italy who had that like bubble around him, like he was walking around with like a cost like a cardboard thing that was one meter. <laughs> um. Anyway, so um, take care of yourselves. Wash your hands. Um. Don't worry about toilet paper. Worry more about actual soap. If if they're out of hand sanitizer, just buy soap and you'll right. be okay. Like soap um, is going to save you more than hand sanitizer in the long run. Yes. Yes, yeah. for sure. Uh, on the other hand, the brighter side, maybe, maybe, uh, Grant has booked a, a film role. He's, when I read it first, it was like, he's playing Frank Sinatra Jr., can never. And I was like, oh, okay, that went a different way. There's not the way that makes sense. Yeah. So he is. Like, I'm pretty sure his eyes are not blue. I think he made it like a yeah. point spell candace's eyes. Yes, well, yeah, no, it was like that. Is Frank Sinatra's eyes blue as well as his dad? I think so, because isn't the movie literally Frank called Something About like, Blue Eyes? Blue eyes. Yeah, it's called, yeah, it's called, eyes, it's called Something About Blue Eyes, the movie is. Oh, so. oh yeah. Okay. Well, but yeah. that would have been ironic if it had been like, I am playing Something About Blue Eyes because my eyes are very easily mistaken for blue. But anyway. <laughs> Um, he's playing the kidnapper of Frank Sinatra Jr., whose name is also Barry. Ha ha. Um, and he's like, I'll only play characters named Barry from now on. Exactly. <laughs> so, so congrats to him, and hopefully the window will work out, because obviously with Flash shut down production, we're not entirely sure when they're coming back to finish the season, or even, I mean, they, maybe they wouldn't, maybe, like, I, Amsterdam is ending their season early. So, yeah, I mean, they had the unfortunate thing too. They like film; they're filming in an actual hospital, which sucks. Like, it makes it worse for them. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So with that being said, we will now move on to the episode itself. Uh, the format is as always: Superbat on side A, the Flash, Legends, and Black Lightning, Flash, Legend, Lightning on side B, likes, dislikes, Lady of Gumption of the Week, and May is our hostess. With the most. 
<laughs> Yay. Side A is called For the Good of the Human Race slash The Unkindest Cut. We're starting off with Supergirl, where Lena moves forward with Non Nochere. Lex tasks Supergirl with protecting Andrea from an anti tech extremist, but his nefarious purpose goes beyond merely keeping Andrea alive. Meanwhile, Lena. Uh, moves forward with Nonno Cheri with Lex's help because she has a moment of doubt and he's like, no, you must do this for the good of everyone. He's like because the, you like, are Lena. angel Luna. on her shoulder. Like, <laughs> you, you can do it, Lena. You're so good, Lena. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's a development. <laughs> it was for joy. It is kind of weird. Like, it's like a reverse angel and devil situation where, like, Lex is on one side and Kara is on the other. And, like, in this situation, Kara is, like, the devil on Lena Schiller and Lex is the angel, which is, like, weird. Um, but, yeah. I do like that Lex maybe isn't as dumb post-crisis as I thought he was, after all. Because <laughs> I was like, how does he not know, like, you know, Le- anything about Leviathan? He's, like, chasing after this ghost that is not even, like, worried about him and all this kind of stuff. But, like, he somehow is on to Jimmy Cooper and Leviathan in this episode, although the show didn't really do a great job of connecting the dots, like how he was onto them or like how he knew Jim Cooper was part of Leviathan. So like my best guess is that my best Luther guess is that he figured it out because like Lena told Lex about Andrea and how she was working for Leviathan pre-crisis with the whole like Akrata thing. And so like Lex knows or like notices that Gemma is the biggest benefactor of Andrea or the biggest like supporter of her. Um, so he's like, therefore Gemma must be connected to Leviathan somehow. That is like my kind of like my attempt to like connect the dots of how Lex knows what he knows now specifically. Um, which if that is how it rolled out, then, you know, like I said, he's smarter than we, <laughs> well, I gave him credit for. Um, so like, this is just, this is dumb. Lex, you're being dumb. Um, so that's good to know. And so now they're more on a kind of a even chess game where both Gemma and Lex are kind of like onto each other and like maneuvering around each other. So that's an interesting development. Um, other areas, I like that Brainy continues to get more suspicious of Lex, like especially when everything was like going down, like the whole city was like shutting down and... 60% of the people, the population was about to get, like, wiped out, and Brainy couldn't turn off, like, the Lex core generator thingy. Like, that's a huge red flag, and, like, Lex was unconcerned about it. Um, so, I like that Brainy picked up on that, and I have theories about what Brainy's actual role will be on the Luther side down the line, so I'll get to that in predictions, but I do like that he is picking up on like, he's not ignoring the, the the blaring, like, siren in the back of his head that this is not, like, a good idea. Like, working with Lex is not a good idea. So that's good. Um, Alex and John teaming up. Like, I feel like um, there's a theme in the Arrowverse at the moment. Like, lesbians and career changes. <laughs> it's like, it was, first it was Ava who lost the Bureau. And she had to, like, adjust. <laughs> then, like, Sophie got suspended. And she had to adjust. And now, like, Alex quit the DEO, like, last episode. Now she's, like, struggling to adjust to, like, gun-free civilian life um, and having, like, a little moment. Uh, so I like her and John's, like, first team up. Um, I don't know how I feel about her being, like, anxious that she doesn't have a gun, like, readily available to shoot people at a moment's notice. <laughs> but, I, I like, I get it in the sense that she's a civilian in a team around, like, a team of people with superpowers. So it's kind of like, you know... She is also a hero, but 
she's lost like some of her tools and she doesn't have like superpowers to like make up for that like John and Cara do. But I mean like so is Batman <laughs> and he doesn't like bitch about it and you know that he doesn't have power so it's kind of like suck it up buttercup. <laughs> I just like you know I think that is good that she was able to contribute when the time came um which led to like a really cute moment of her like saving her girlfriend and like like hi there kind of like exchange that's really really cute and i think just like speaking of kelly um kelly bringing alex like dumpling care package in the beginning of the episode was really sweet um i really like those little episodes little moments of like domesticity and we got like two of them in this episode so that was really cool um william and cara Kara uh, is just, like, really, like, flustered um, around William because he's just, like, continuing to be, like, you know, a nice person. Like, she said she didn't want to um, go down there in a a romantic route. So he's like, okay. And so, you know, he's just, like, trying to maintain the friendship and do what he's been doing. And um, Not a nice guy. Like, he's not a nice guy to him. He's an actual nice guy. Like, just period. Um, And, like, the whole... It's kind of funny, like, he brought both Kara and Nia coffee, but Kara's like, oh, my God, you remember my coffee? Like, you remember Nia's, too, which she didn't care about that one. She's like, oh, my God, you remember my coffee? And then, like, um, when he was talking to, like, Supergirl, and she was like, this is why I think VR could be bad. What do you think, William? And he said, like, the same thing in, like, a different way, and she's like, oh, my God, you're so deep. <laughs> So it's like everything she's like impressed by him every everything that he says um and i'll get to other things in like the other part of the she's episode she's thinking man it would have been easier if you would have just been an asshole <laughs> right exactly <laughs> <laughs> but i think her her like car is really cute this episode i think in reaction to william in a lot of ways um i think that you know it was super cheesy like obvious the way the writers are like setting it up and you know Kara being just like oh my god William <laughs> every time he did something but I mean it came off cute so yeah it's going there so I'm just gonna enjoy the ride can't stop this train can't stop this train can't stop this feeling anymore oh <laughs> <laughs> Is okay. that that on that? Are you I, dead now? No, I think okay. so. Okay. Um, I liked how uh, Supergirl handled, like, as in Supergirl the person, handled the Andrea and Sidian uh, situation. I thought that it was, like, cool. She was, like, a boss lady, took charge. She didn't let Andrea, like, bully her, so to speak. Because um, Andrea had some very bad ideas this episode. Oh and Supergirl was like, so that's kind of a bad idea. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, I also like that it gave her the chance to interact with William without her human self present so that she could actually hear, like, how William thinks of her or, like, you know, see William and interacting. Person. Yes. Exactly. When he's not, like, specifically trying to impress her. So I thought, I thought it was nice. It gave us a look at it and it gave her a look at it. So worked for me. Um, and while I'm not fully on board the William and Cara train, which is most certainly heading towards its destination... Um, I do think he is the least offensive love interest that she's had since James. And perhaps even more so than James, or even less so than James, (laughs) because of the Lucy situation. That was a little bit annoying um, Mm -hmm. back in season one. But, like, he actively respected her boundaries. He 
wanted her to feel comfortable with the friendship. Her rejection of him didn't diminish his respect or his at all or change his behavior towards her at all. And like, I'm not saying give him a cookie for doing the bare minimum, but I am saying that the way that he acted was what helped Kara just, you know, make a decision on her own without having to deal with like pressure from him or like anyone else who isn't like herself or Alex, I think being like, Hey, maybe you should face reality. So I was very glad to see that. Um, and like, it's one thing, like, if you think that he's boring or if you think that he lacks layers, like, that's totally fine. Or if you think that Supergirl sucks at writing romance, period, because I certainly do. think that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would be right. That's a, that's a fact. <laughs> exactly. However, I do think that the way that people are villainizing William is, like, a little bit too much. Like, I think it's, yes. it's like, if you want Carr to be single or if you want Carr to be, you know, with a woman, then that's great. But that's not William's fault. William didn't do anything. It's just there. <laughs> it's just there. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, also, I uh, liked Dreamer's little moment where she was fighting against Wife of Dude, which is what I'm going to call her because that is how. Amy. Sure. Amy, Wife of Dude. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a nice little Dreamer moment, and I feel like we get so. And plus, also when William gave Kara and Nia the coffee, and Nia gave that look like, yeah. Um, she approved, and I approved of seeing her in that scene because we get so little of Nia lately, <laughs> which thankfully will change next week. But anyway, um, also I respect the point that the show was trying to make with Wife of Dude named Amy. Um, I I get how it all fit into that overarching theme of escaping reality, right? Mm. So it's like this very extreme example of escaping reality is why you should not do that, Kara. So it makes sense. And also, Delina Belina's not even here to listen to it, so that's fine. Um, I was happy to see Alex and John team up. Uh, I like that the new career path gives them both time, and us, time outside of the DEO, um, and time to operate outside of, like, the boundaries of, like, well, this is what the president wants, or now this is what Lex Luthor wants. Right. Which we obviously do not want. Um, also, the hand weapon, I can't remember what it's called, but that's going to be an interesting oh, scenario. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. No. I like that. It's, like, it's kind of like a Green Lantern prototype thing. Like, oh, it's whatever you imagine it to be. Mm. So that's kind of fun. Also, Alex's insecurity ab- about, like, the career change is understandable for a character. I loved her rescuing Kelly. They were super cute. And again, you know, because we had to get a little, little tiny bit of Kelly in there. So I'm glad that she got her paycheck for that week. Um, and also that we get more father-daughter time with John because I love that dynamic. Um, I also liked that Lena was starting to question herself after her interaction with Kara. So I yeah. liked that Kara filled the seed that was planting some doubt about her evil plans. <laughs> However, I didn't like anything else that came after that. So, um, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, I'll get to my William thing later because I feel like that's the only but, like, note my that whole, I... Like, William I... Steele is in, like, the dislike, so... <laughs> um i really like the fact that for once even though it only lasted a brief moment there was like a flicker of doubt with lena like she Mm. was questioning whether she should go through with 
her project because of like was she actually helping people like she was going back and forth you know all this time she spent doing these things and thinking that she's on the right side you know one screw up and she's like oh no like is this the correct way that i'm going about this because you're taking away people's inhibitions um for Mm -hmm. anger and violence and whatnot but you're also like putting other people in danger of like captive of their own mind basically it was really creepy to watch and i'm glad that she had that moment to kind of like think on what she was doing um the rest of that will be for later (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and i also agree about the whole alex uh insecurity thing i think it's really nice to finally see her outside the deo and it's understandable how she's grappling with these you know issues that she's going through because when you're out of a job that you've been in for so long and that job has kind of defined your life and and everything that you do it you really feel lost you don't know what to do anymore you're just kind of stuck there i'm really glad that she has john you know as daddy john to help her move forward and and give her a job but also help her find like a different type of purpose where she can still help people but be doing it as a civilian. Um, so all of that was really great. And I really loved the little, like the, the ladies in this episode were really cute together. Like you guys said, you know, they're all walking and talking and now they're talking about Kara's love life. And they're just, and as soon as, but, or they're all just talking in general. And as soon as William shows up, they all just kind of like disperse. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, that was really cute. (laughs) Um, uh, so I liked all of that. I've actually, like I was really confused about the whole Lex situation because I was like, did they ever really reveal that he knew that Gemma was Leviathan? Because I don't think they ever said it out loud. So I was kind of confused the whole time. But at least like he's not, you know, going through with his plan thinking that he like the Gemma's on his side or she's a friend or she's just like a corporate bigwig or whatever. Um, so, you know, he continues to be a clever man that he is as always. And of course I'm weak. So I officially ship Carr and William to the briefest of degrees because the show has been like dry for a while now. <laughs> and I'm really glad that Carr actually like rejected him so that she, like she told Lena last week, she could take like responsibility for her own actions and live in and accept her own reality because she sort of had no life outside of Supergirl. Like the show has not let her do much in terms of like her love life. So I think she deserves a bit of uh, romance in her life. And like putting William, my, putting my William Defense Squad shirt on, he has done nothing wrong, like you guys said, um, except be a good friend and coworker. So I don't think he guilted Kara into going on a date with him. Like women know what that looks like. And that was yeah. not it. <laughs> um, he wasn't trying to convince her of how great he was or making her feel bad or uncomfortable, especially like that whole conversation with Supergirl. He didn't know he was talking to Kara, you know. Um, and bonus, Kara actually likes him. So she's flustered when she, when he's around. So everything she felt and did during the episode was all her and then blaming William supposedly wearing her down, which he didn't is like low key, the fandom projecting their anger that Kara isn't single or Kara isn't dating Lena and, and then making it William's fault, which is not cool. So yeah. Um, what did not spark joy? Well, flowing off of that. Like I, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't I don't really want to be, you know, put on like a William Defense Squad shirt and have to like set up a shop for him, but I feel like it's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's necessary at this point. Like um I don't really like the whole super force narrative that William like wore Car down until she went out with him. 
Because um, like you said, like we already know what that's like. We saw that story. That was Monel. <laughs> we saw how that went down. How he was like an asshole and just kept being an asshole and was like, you like me, don't you, Cara? Until she finally said yes. So, like, you want to know what it looks like for Amanda to wear Cara down until she gives in and goes out with him. Revisit Monel in season two. Like William is not Monel. Um, I know like he had like a rough introduction to the story with the whole like coming in as the jerk kind of thing and I don't know why Supergirl's writer decided to do that if they knew they were going to go down this route with William and Kara but you know it was kind of like not the best rewrite of it or like revision of it but like he it was explained why he was that way and everything that we've seen since then has shown him to be someone that is a nice guy someone that is respectful of not only Kara but like Nia and everybody else um we've seen like in a couple of episodes before this like how his morals and what he thinks about journalism and what he wants to fight for is similar to Kara he's not really like pretending to be it we saw it in this episode because um you know Kara said that she wanted to be friends with him and William said okay like he didn't say like you know, oh, you're just saying that, or he didn't say, like, anything, like, he treated her like a friend, like, he treated her like he treated her before he asked her out, he's not, he was the one that was, like, trying to not make shit awkward, like, he brought Kara and Nia coffee orders, like I said, um, because guaranteed, and she was like, also probably, oh, you need my coffee order, but guaranteed, before things got awkward, the three of them got coffee, like, all the time, but they all work in the same building, so, (laughs) you know, like, half the scenes that he had with Kara in this episode, he didn't know it was her, since he was talking to Supergirl. So any of the nice things he said were just him being nice. It wasn't him, like, there was no ulterior motive for him to smooth Supergirl in the hopes that she could convince her friend Kara to go out with him. He didn't know that they're connected. He doesn't know any of that. So him just talking is him saying what he thinks of normally without any kind of, like, other reasons for him to, you know, make himself look nice. Um... And just like even at the end, when he was like, she came to see him at the at Catco. He's like, oh my god, oh shit, I'm sorry, I'm overstepping. Like he recognized that he was being a little bit extra. Like you know, he's trying to keep the friendship the same, but then he's like, oh my god, maybe I was not giving you as much space as you needed. So I'm sorry. Like he didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. So like the whole episode, he's just trying to like respect her boundaries while maintaining their friendship, which is a good thing. It's not him being nice to him. It's not him, like, saying, you know, he, and he didn't ask, look, Kara asked him out. He didn't ask Kara out at the end of the episode. Kara asked him out. So, like, it's not like he was doing all of this good stuff to be like, so, now that we're friends again, do you want to go out for dinner or whatever? That would be an ulterior motive. He didn't do that. She asked him out. So, he wasn't expecting anything from her. She was allowed to make the decision that she wanted to go out with him. And, like, the whole theme of the episode was about people running away from real-life connections. So, Carr realized that's what she'd been doing with William, so she decided to fix that. So, I don't really appreciate the commentary that he, like, forced this conclusion when he had no idea that that was, that that was what was going on around him. Um, and, like, the whole thing that he was just being, like, too nice. Like, he, there's nothing that it, we've seen since he was revealed to be, like, you know, undercover, that would suggest that he is anything other than what he's presented himself to be as of now. 
And I mean, it could go, they could go in there next week and it could fizzle and they decide that they are really better off as friends and that would still be a worthwhile arc because it was something that Car initiated. It's something that Car figured out for herself. Um, so it doesn't mean that like next week William and Car are getting married or whatever. Um, so, you know, like Kara can still back out if she wants to later on down the road. So just like, you know, chill. <laughs> Other things in, happened in the episode I didn't like, you know, like Andrea got on my nerves this episode about how stubborn she was, you know, every, like if, if someone dies in collateral damage of this person trying to kill you, I'm pretty sure that also would not be good for your business. So I don't think she was really weighing out the you know the options of to do it or not to do it um so she really got on my nerves a lot like i don't know what's why she's in such a rush to be put this out there and be so stubborn about it but i didn't like it um i also didn't like lena's b plot mainly for the reason that they had steve validate her feelings that she's doing the right thing when you know i know she's not (laughs) Like, we know, like, the, I think, like, the writers are doing that because it's too early for Lena to turn course of, you know, after Kara telling her, stop or else. But I still feel like the whole plot was kind of dumb. It's, like, really kind of, like, corny. Like, Lex offers up human subjects at the private prison that he owns. And Lena, like, goes along with it because they, quote, unquote, volunteered. Like, how much choice do you really have to volunteer in a prison owned by the family member or the prison that's running the trials? You know? Um, so I, I, I would not be surprised if there was a little bit of like shadiness on like who was chosen to like volunteer or not. Um, I mean, I feel like it also continues to be really distressing that Lena is more willing to give Lex a second chance than Kara. And I feel like that's mainly because he's telling her what she wants to hear um, Mm -hmm. and kind of like feeding her own, what she's already thinking. Um, And the same with like the prison, any reservations that she has, about is she doing the right thing is wiped away because she'd rather believe the narrative that they volunteered of their own free will um, rather than like Lex just saying that they did or, you know, offering them something to make them volunteer when they wouldn't have normally or something like that. So I feel like there's, I didn't really, I really didn't like the whole prison subject storyline just because I feel like there's like some, a really, um, issues with consent that I don't think were addressed in that storyline so yeah I totally agree about the consent issues I just think am I echoing yeah yes okay (sighs) I totally agree about the consent uh, situation in terms of testing on uh, prison inmates because like um, just because Lex maybe somehow strong armed them into consenting to it doesn't mean that it is like morally correct to do so, especially when like there's no way that like considering how poorly that first run went, right? It's like she has no way of knowing how things are going to turn out for them. So I don't know. I was very, I was, I was really hoping that that was going to be like, okay, enough is enough. Clearly, I have messed up, right? And then because we're not done with the season yet. Steve. Of course, You're Steve. Great, to... Thank yeah. you so this much. So You're my savior. Uh, God. So yeah, I hated that. Um, and also like the whole the whole idea, like when she was like, "Well, this is supposed to, this is supposed to give people freedom," you know, like how? What would make her think that? You're literally like brainwashing people into complacency. Like, I thought 
or I didn't think, but like I was trying to make it be like, well, is this like the kind of drugs that we already have? Is it the same thing? But it's not the same thing because it was like an antidepressant or antipsychotic situation. Um, you would get diagnosed, right? You would talk to a medical professional who would then provide it as an option, you know, of different treatments. And then you would be on this kind of, you know, weird little non-necherry thing. But instead, she's like, I'm going to make... Like a, like a like a pill or like a yeah. cough <laughs> But then instead, it's like, I'm going to give everyone, because somehow, somehow the whole world is going to have um, this creepy Google Glasses, but contact version technology. And in that technology, I'm going to just like download niceness into their brain. And it's like, even if they were already nice. That was like extra nice. Yeah, right. Like you don't even get to have like one negative thought because Nanatero will be like, mm, I don't like that. Let's take that one out. Like, <laughs> it's just so, how could you think that that makes sense? Um, so I don't know. I like the whole idea is just it makes, you know, makes me shudder. Um, and yeah, I hate that poor Steve was brought back for this because I kind of liked him the first time around. And I was like, no, now you're on my bad list. Um, so, so yeah, I don't like that now Lena thinks she's on the right track. And also that she lets herself be bulldozed by Lex so easily when she just killed him like a few months ago. If I almost, not that I, you know, I love, I love John Cryer as Lex and I think that he does a great job, but I feel like, uh, Lillian being like Lillian being in this position would make much more sense if it was Lillian who was the one that was like manipulating her because like at least Lena has like some conflicted like be my mother ideas about Lillian uh whereas with Lex it's feel like it's just been like I don't ever want to be like Lex I hate Lex everything Lex stands for is literally the worst oh okay now Lex says things that make sense and I will experiment on these prisoners thank you Lex so I don't know I think it's a little strange anyway um speaking of Lex uh him blackmailing Supergirl with the Kara secret identity in order to get her to body to be Andrea's bodyguard was annoying <laughs> to me. Just because like I just bothers me that like Lex Luthor knows that Supergirl is Kara Danvers. And he just like uses it for petty stuff like, oh well I guess I'll just tell people if you don't, you know, do this random thing that I want you to do. Okay, see you next week when I say the same thing for something else random. Um, like, why wouldn't he try to wreak more havoc with it? I don't understand. Aside from because he doesn't really care about Supergirl, right? Superman is his big bad. Or, well, yeah, Superman is his big bad. Uh-huh. But, but how could he not put together that if Clara Danvers is Supergirl, then obviously Clark Kent is Superman? Just, is <laughs> yeah. that that stupid? Apparently. So I really hate it. I just think that he shouldn't know at all. I feel like it cheapens, or not cheapens, but it lessens the threat level, right? He must not see Kara as a threat if he has her secret identity and doesn't do anything with it. It's just like, LOL. And then Kara, you know, he's not really that bad if he doesn't do anything with it, right? I guess he's fine. <laughs> he's just chilling. He's like Damien Dirk post-hell. Like, whatever. <laughs> um, so I guess that's fine. But yeah, I don't like it. And then finally, um, those thematic elements were there and made sense. I did think that the villain was pretty weak sauce because it's essentially another Ben Lockwood situation. Like, this horrible thing happened to my family and it's your fault. So I'm going to get my vengeance. Except that instead of getting a whole episode dedicated to husband of woman, um, instead it's just like, hey, footnote, this happened to my husband and I'm real mad about it. 
So it's like there's not even an emotional connection to it. It's just like, oh, okay, I see. You're just one of those people. That makes sense. Bye now. Um, and also, I just think that Supergirl's take on technology is like super simplistic. Technology is bad. But when heroes use it, technology is good. Speaking of heroes using technology, uh, Alex and guns is already like a sketchy situation that makes me like Alex less. <laughs> but now she's got a weapon that can just be whatever she wants it to be. So I'm like, wow, I hope that she's like, BB gun. I just want this, this weapon to be like super anti-violent. That's all. It's just a bat, like Harlequin. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally like agree about whole, Alex. That um, that scene at the bar where they like go off, like they interview like a a guy that might know the chlorophyllian was played for laughs, but the guy was basically like, "Police brutality, <laughs> you 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 beat me up for no reason." <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, shouldn't yeah. be funny. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, it's so weird because it's. It's like Alex's, I mean, it's, there's a history of her over-reliance on guns for protection. And I don't know, I guess considering like all the uh, controversy in this country over like whether we should all have guns or not. And obviously like they don't statistically, statistically speaking, like having them is not going to protect you from anything at all, you know, like, and it's just a higher rate of more violence for example so it's just like this idea that she needs it is a little bit creepy um especially since first supergirl is her fucking sister so she doesn't really need it um and it's just like she can find other ways she knows how to you know she knows self-defense and all that so she doesn't physically need something as a crutch for her to feel like she can protect the people around her Unless, like, they explore that further, it just, it does really come off as police brutality. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that and then Lena, Lena and Andrea are, like, smoking the same shit, let me tell you. Because <laughs> this episode made it clear, like, they both did this, said the same thing, pretty much. Like, they're they're saying, I'm just trying to save everyone. But are you or are you just doing it for yourself? Because it really seems like you have a problem with your family legacy, family issues, some sense of inadequacy in your life <laughs> where yeah. you feel the need to, like, do these things in order to – for your own, like, legacy, for your own feelings from – whether it stems from childhood or whatever. Um, so it comes from that rather than actually wanting to help people because they're so – one-sided in their thinking when it comes to these things like you have andrea who they're both and they're both very extreme so you have like andrea this really rich woman who comes from a very rich family and she's trying to give people this extreme technology where she literally takes them completely out of reality and into a virtual one and then she acts like she's trying to help them like and then she wouldn't even like sit down and let Kara do her job because she was wanting to launch like it's it's kind of ridiculous to think that she was willing to put her life in danger for and other people's lives in danger for like a piece of technology that like what, how is it helping the world? You know what I mean? (laughs) And then with Lena, it's like, she is actually, she's controlling people's minds. She's stripping them of their free will to express human emotions. You know, you can't, 
take people's negativity away because it's not all rainbows and sunshine all the time. And regardless of how you think they should or shouldn't react in terms of like violence, you're stripping them of their free will regardless. Like it doesn't matter how it is that they react in this instance because that is their, I guess, their human right, you know? Like, so her trying to baby the whole entire 7 billion population of the earth is kind of ridiculous. Like, you can't have these thoughts, you can't have these feelings, and you can't act on them. The system will just shut your brain down, basically, and we'll all just have ice cream together. Um, so that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like ice cream? <laughs> What's your problem ice with ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> my problem with ice with ice cream is that she's not having it with car she'd rather have it with Lex <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like her insistence like you said Jessica like to listen to Lex and or forgive Lex after she straight up murdered him and hates him hates his guts versus Kara over something like her identity you know it's just it's starting to look really really strange and, and ridiculous and um, petty so <sighs> all for like a very superficial story because again they're trying to do this black mirror thing but they're taking it to the extreme like black mirror explored the nuances of what extreme technology like what it does to people and human connections and all this other stuff but we're still human like this is like like tati said it's like the ben lockwood situation it's extreme and you know it's rare that people go this far on a massive scale so they need to scale it back (laughs) um yeah, predictions or do we have any feedback? We do have feedback, and I totally forgot to—I totally forgot to include the Andrea and Lena parallel in this episode. But you're totally right that you see, like Andrea being as stubborn and as misguided as Lena is being, and they both seem to believe that they're doing it for the greater good. But obviously, there's something else there. You're so wise, May. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Now, um, our feedback. Shang! Um, unfortunately, uh, we will be disagreeing with Shang, but that's okay. We still love you, Shang, and we hope that you still love us. <laughs> We're not mad at you because you're great. All right. So, great lesson learned on Supergirl that even if you say no, it can always become a yes with enough badgering and good guy actions. For a show that prides itself on being feminist or on feminism, it sure has a shitty-ass track record of guilt-tripping Kara into, do- into dating the blandest men in her life. I think that all the men on Supergirl are bland except for like John so I do agree with you <laughs> that's true it's just that there's not better options <laughs> in terms of men there's huh oh Brainy Brainy's, Brainy's not, not bland hey, oh you know that's what? true not a man Brainy is a synthetic being okay, okay that's, fair. <laughs> that's fair that's fair points were made <laughs> okay um Alex you are a lesbian your strength lies with women and I'll appreciate it if you would just shut the fuck up Instead of giving advice to Kara about men. <laughs> Alex, you are a lesbian. That is... <laughs> Please stay in your lane, Alex. Okay. If the writers want so badly for Lena to go bad, just let her character go and turn 180 degrees because I'm sick of this dumbass plot. Lex should have made an agreement with the monitor to let e- Lena go evil. Ooh, that's actually a really good idea. That would have been a really cool explanation of the whole season. Mm. What do you say? Sorry. If, if, if the... If the pact that Lex had made with Monitor is to let Lena go evil. Just oh, make Lena yeah. evil all the time. It would have explained so much. Yes. Um, and we can see Katie be a sexy ass villain so I could at least have some flavor. <laughs> like they could have easily made Lena realize the consequences of her actions and still try to trick Lex. Ah ha! Yes! 
but no, Lex is manipulating her again. How are the writers so fucking incompetent? I 100% agree with this. This I totally agree with. Not sure if I'm going to continue my Supergirl feedback. Maybe for Nia's episode, that's it. I'm tired of the wasted potential. It was a really boring episode. Aww. Uh, I would be very sad to miss your Supergirl feedback. I'm looking forward to the Nia episode as well, though. So hopefully that one will be enough. And unfortunately, you may not even need to continue your Supergirl feedback for much longer. Because the production shut down. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, thank you, Shang. We love you. And he had a meme at the end that was hilarious. Should I describe it? Or it's just... We'll, we'll post it on Tumblr. So yeah, we'll post we'll, it on you'll, Tumblr. You'll see so, it later. So you'll see the full potential. The full potential. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next up is Celeste, right? Yes. Celeste. Um, starting off the episode with Dans and Crumbs. I will take it at this point. It's nice to see them interact after a few episodes of nothing. Ugh, yes. Totally agree. Alex feeling a little lost with her job at the DEO was something I didn't expect the show to touch on, to be honest. Figured it was just going to get brushed over, but the real question is, who's paying for Alex's bills? <laughs> Kelly. 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 The whole Tara William thing. Wara? <laughs> I like it. Wara. I was actually nice. I Wara? feel indifferent about them. I mean, she's trying to make a ship name, Tara oh. William. So I guess it could be Killian. <laughs> Which is... I don't, yeah, I don't know if there's any good like choices there. So Wara <laughs> it is. Wara. <laughs> I still feel indifferent, but I thought William apologizing when he thought he was overstepping was nice to see. I think Kara going out on a date with him will be good for her. She deserves to date around for a little bit, even if they're not going to write her a loved, a long-time love interest. I agree with that. Thank I think at the very least, like, yes. it seems really casual date. right now. It's not like she's head over heels for him. Let Kara have like, cake. Yeah, let Kara have cake. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, I don't remember a lot this episode. I watched it while I was studying for my long line of exams. <laughs> and I all, I hope that they went well, or that they are going well. Or I that just they got canceled because of Corona. Or that they got canceled, right? Yeah, maybe they got canceled. Everyone, like... oh, we could actually say everyone's been canceled. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just didn't feel like going back and watching it. Next week's looks really interesting, though. I'm excited for a Nia-centric episode, especially after her absence for so many. Yes, thank you. And then finally, my beloved, who told me this morning that he sent this feedback and then accidentally called me, so that was great. Okay. Because his <laughs> Facebook was super weird. So, like, he accidentally called me, and then it just kept going. It just kept saying he was calling me for, like, ten minutes. Even though really? he had hung up the not call much, much sooner than that. And I was just like, why won't this leave? So yeah, it was very strange. Facebook is trying to eavesdrop. Exactly. Zero Girl this week was okay overall. While I liked them exploring the theme of tech addiction, I thought it was rather um, unmemorable. I also didn't get Andrea's savior complex. Andrea's savior complex here. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't her technological smarts and resources go better towards curing diseases and providing actual therapy for people who've undergone th- trauma? Oh my god, imagine mm-hmm. that. Yeah, not people that want to, like, fight dragons and run through the forest. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Taste right. fake strawberries. Exactly. Like, it, didn't she even say that as one of her explanations? Like, yeah, well, some people have used this for trauma or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, great, what the like, fuck on those like, people? Attacked, <laughs> the, like, See, this attacked. is why they should explore <laughs> Kelly's storyline more, because exactly. she's actually doing that. Yeah. But they don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it feels contrived at this point, to be quite honest. And the lameness of her mission actually makes Lena look good by comparison. <laughs> what Lena's doing is bad, 
but we actually see good results here compared to whatever Andre is doing. But and that's because we don't see the, that's like we just said, because we don't see the Kelly side of things. Because there was that one episode where we saw the Kelly side of things, and you're like, oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. And then never again. Typical <laughs> writers want to make technology a bad thing, so you're not going to get to see all of Kelly's like, good things. Because exactly. then be like, oh, technology is good or helpful here. <laughs> we don't want oh. that. <laughs> overall the writers need consultants who work in tech and therapy because this is panning out to be a weak sauce allegory for real work issues mm. yes just like the horrendously handled immigration and xenophobia storyline last season not great right there with you all right i think that's that's that's, that. that's that on that okay <laughs> predictions do we have any yes I feel like Brainy, the the other Brainies that were like, Brainy, you need to be with Lex. Hopefully, their, like, galaxy brain is saying that because, like, sometime down the line when, like, Lex is too powerful and needs to be stopped, like, Brainy will be in, like, the prime position to do damage from inside the house instead of, like, being on the outside. And because he's already, like, has, like, Lex's confidence. Um, So I'm hoping... You know, and with, like, this episode with him, like, noticing Lex's intent. And I feel like Lex, I feel like first his intention, my thought was his intention was to destroy Leviathan. But now I feel like his intention is to, like, dethrone, like, what do you call it? A coup? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, take over Leviathan. And then he would have, like, the Lex Power Core, which does not shut down in cases of emergency. And then he has the morality code, or the mortality code, not morality, mortality code. (laughs) to be the guy forever. And then with Lena and Nano Cherry making everyone just, like, complacent, then he can, like, be supreme ruler and no one can say shit to him because they all are, like, lobotomized. So I feel like that is his ultimate plan. And so Mm. Lena and Brainy both have, like, key pieces to that. And so Brainy is starting to realize it now, but hopefully, like, Lena realizes it as well and they'll probably be key to, like, stopping him from the inside. This is so diabolical. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully so, because otherwise it's just kind of like, here we are. <laughs> so, yeah. Then I we should have sent Jessica head of to be a writer. It's like Lena's <laughs> mom somehow. So, like, oh. that also is, like, thrown in there. Oh, that's a good idea. I want that. Yeah. Moving into Batwoman. At what cost? Batwoman and Luke are on the trail of a villain targeting social media mavens. Sophie gets an unexpected visit from her mother, and Mary offers her expertise to assist Kate. Jacob Kane is approached to make good on a favor while Alice focuses on her plans for retribution. Michael Blondell directed the episode written by Denise Harkavy. Is I wonder if there's any relation to Juliana. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I was, just think, I was thinking that not just, but previously. The last time she wrote an episode, I think. <laughs> it's an interesting last name to you know pop up yeah. twice in the arrow world or the yeah, arrowverse world so yep. what cool. sparked joy i felt um great joy because i feel like this is a, a really good episode like i feel like that woman just keeps like improving on itself so i'm i'm happy for that um i really loved uh well first off uh the opening scene was, like, surprisingly, like, obviously very upsetting and nasty, but, like, it was, like, powerful. Like, it was good. Like, body dysmorphia is, like, can be a truly terrifying thing. Um, mm-hmm. And also, of course, the smile makes you think of the Joker, A, and B, Duella Dent's last name is, like, oh, hello, Harvey. So uh-huh. hopefully that means we're going to get Harvey Dent eventually, because she said her uncle was a lawyer or something. She's a DA's office, right? Her uncle yeah. was in the DA's office? Yeah. Yeah. So and they, they did, like, name him, like, by name. Yeah. In the episode. So, so cool. he's got to show up eventually. 
hopefully. Anyway, um, also loved Batwoman and Sophie, uh, you know, trying, barging ahead with their short-lived romance against their better judgment, or really against uh, Luke's judgment. Um, but they were super cute uh, throughout the episode. They were really giddy. And then, of course, I was really sad knowing it would have to end this week. But while it lasted, it was very nice. It was nice to see how much they really wanted to be together. And also that, like, Batwoman, you know, Kate didn't really have, like, this, like, jealousy of, like, oh, well, you want to be with Batwoman and not with Kate. Instead, it was, like, she was understood what was happening. Like, you want this because you literally have to hide it, right? Like, you have no choice but to hide it because mm. you're wearing a mask. Because that was the theme of the episode. Masks. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, I love the opening scene, like, like we're not the opening scene, but the first scene of their storyline, like Sophie's like all happy at the bar and Mary's being extremely supportive. And then elsewhere, Kate is all happy and Luke catches on and is a killjoy, but you know, that's fine. Um, and I love that Mary's so supportive despite knowing everything that she does know, right? Like first she was like taken aback, but then she's like, Hey, you know what? You go for it, Sophie. Also, I love that Sophie, that Mary really wanted to be a part of like team bat. I don't know what we're calling the team, but team bat's cute. Yeah, <laughs> she kept trying to like gently offer assistance um, without actually like confronting Kate and be like, "What are you hiding from me? Or why do you lie to me? Or you know, we're not really sisters. You don't treat me like a sister," which she would totally <laughs> you know be in her right to do. But this time she took a different approach, which I appreciated. Um, and then, of course, that final that final scene between them where she was like, you know, hey, I told you that because I trust you and I knew that you would never rat me out or whatever. You'd never do anything to harm me. And I am the same. I will not rat you out or do anything to harm you. If you have things that you want to tell me, I hope that you will cause <laughs> me to tell me them. Okay, bye now. Um, so I really wanted Kate to, like, say it then, but oh well. Um while the Sophie situation, like Sophie and her mother situation, did not spark joy, <laughs> it was very sad. Um, it was a really good indicator of why Sophie has been so repressed, right? Why she's so withdrawn about her feelings. You really get to see now just how much her mother's um, approval or lack thereof has, like, effect. What effect it has over her life, um, mm -hmm. and that Kate also understands that. That's something that Kate like knows about her, right? Um, and so, again, we see more of, like, a connection between Sophie and Kate there as well. And we got clarity on husband, whose name I can never remember situation. Tyler. So, Tyler. You know, we don't have to know his name. <laughs> Saying his name gives him power. Over he him. is the, the <laughs> husband of husband of Sophie. And that is. Or husband not, of Sophie, husband yes. Of that is the name. Separated husband of Sophie. Husband of Sophie. <laughs> so, A, it seems like they're done for good. You know, like, that's, that's not coming back. She she's saying I didn't love him, right? She didn't just fall in love him. She didn't love him. She she likes a woman. She likes women. Period. So now we know. Um, not that it would have been bad. Again, like I think I may have said this before, but like, it wouldn't have been bad if they had said she is bisexual. Like that's also great. But um, now we know which route they're taking. Period. And also Sophie knows herself and is willing, comfortable with saying that. Although, and of course, it was heart wrenching to see her mother, you know, like reject her basically. But both actresses did it really well, especially Megan Tandy, who has carved a marvelous character out of Sophie even when the show has not given her as much to work with as it should have. Mm. Alright. I also um, I like that Jacob turns to Sophie for help at the end there, right? With all the corruption of the crows going on. Um, I hope that this eventually leads him to being that woman's ally because that's what he is in the comics and I feel like that dynamic is like good and this dynamic is not good. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yay. Um, finally, going back to Duella. It's not really finally, but whatever. Going back to Duella. 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 However you say name. Say it the white way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ending was so fucked up. Like her face, you know, she got a little. Like, oh my Alice gosh. I don't know how she was still alive. Yeah. Like the blood loss. She should not have been. Magic. It's magic. But yeah. I do like how that was a physical manifestation of the theme of the episode, which is taking off the mask. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so now she's finally free or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I like how they were, it was suspenseful, right? In the sense that, like, Alice goes to visit mm, Therapist Man, who is actually August. Um, and at first it's Duella, but then she rips off her face and it's Alice. And now, you know, Duella doesn't have a face. So anyway, uh, I like I like how they played that, and also I like how we're getting like not for real Alice back, but like the Alice that's so enjoyable back because it's yeah. been like a stretch of episodes where it's just like recriminations and like why did you leave me and I'm only killing you made me kill people you made me this way by not finding me behind that door that one time but I wasn't making noise so um <laughs> so now uh, we're back to like. Alice going to therapy <laughs> to figure to figure out her August situation, and then Alice killing the therapist. <laughs> um, Alice, you know, I don't know. Did she, so so yeah. So that was that was a whole great conversation, and then of course we've got Mouse inhaling fear toxin, which is very interesting. I feel like this episode was just like chock full of um, that verse, DC Comics. Gotham references, <laughs> whatever you know what I'm saying. Batman comics references, yeah. like we're finally going there, so that's exciting. Okay, that's a lot of love. like. I, I this I agree with you. Like I really enjoy this episode. I feel like I say that every week now and again. Like <laughs> I, I, I feel like like just I just keep going back to the pilot. I'm like, look how far we've come. Yes, my baby's <laughs> how far we've come from the pilot. Oh my god. Yes, um, when we, when it we got so like, bad. I wrote up a Batwoman appreciation post. I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> <laughs> we can grow. We can change our opinions yes. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I I feel like Duella Dent also split my face wide open because like, that's how much I was like smiling through this episode with the whole Batmore like team up. Oh, awesome. um, like the opening of the episode, and not like the the bites. That was a that was kind of a creepy cold open, but um an interesting one. But the one I'm talking about is like the cutbacks, back and forth between like Sophie and Mary at the coffee shop, or at, I think it was at Kate's bar actually. And then um Kate and Luke, I thought they were great. I thought it was a great use of um camera techniques um to have them like having like the same conversation and and seeing like both sides of the conversation from Mary and Kate's perspective and then also from uh, not Mary, sorry, Sophie and Kate's perspective and also seeing like the reactions of their friends from Mary and Luke. Um, Sophie was like looking hot in her like workout clothes, like, you know, suspension looks really good on her. <laughs> she was like getting coffee, Kate's bar, glowing, love it. Kate is like getting excited about, like, I swear to God, like she asked Luke, like, where's my cow? Like, I just know that she was like trying to like plan in her head a meetup. <laughs> with Sophie again she's like where is my outfit I have to get ready um so that was all like really really cute um the whole like you know giddy afterglow of it I love also like the duality in the relationship like how Kate is like Batwoman and she looks like she'd be really tough or like dry personality like Oliver 2.0 but actually she's like naturally just kind of like goofy and a little bit lighthearted. so like she's just like 
I've said this before, but she's like unnaturally funny, like not not unnaturally, but like unintentionally, unintentionally funny in a lot of situations. And so even though she looks kind of hard, she's actually like kind of goofy. So it's kind of like one of that, you know, looks like she will kill you, but it's actually cinnamon roll kind of thing. And then like Sophie is the one it looks like she would be softer, um, but she's really like more straight laced and kind of like uptight. So she's like, looks like a cinnamon roll, but will actually kill you. Um, so I, I like that, <laughs> that contrast. I like that Sophie's like slightly taller than Kate. Love that. Kate is a bottom. That's not debatable. <laughs> so I like that. Like, <laughs> Confirmed. When Sophie like was pushing, like when they were on the um, Sophie's balcony and Kate's like, let me walk away. And then like uh, Sophie got like all up in her space, like to walk. And she, she's like, nope. Okay. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, everything about that scene. Kate being unsuccessfully trying to break up with Sophie in that moment based off of Luke's, like, stupid-ass idea. Um, and, like, the whole... <laughs> the, only, the only thing that could have made, like, the mom interruption even better is if it wasn't played as, like, suspenseful. Like, you know, if it had just been played for comedy, like, if, if it had been known up front that my mom's here and then, like, Kate just, like, vanishes immediately, that would have been straight-up hilarious. Um, but I, I still, like, I liked... Everything about, like, the team-up, the fact that, you know, Kate is, like, checking out her bat ears and making sure her hair is together, <laughs> waiting for Sophie to show up and talk about, you know, I have to get a lead or whatever. Um, I like that Sophie and Kate had Kate put Sophie in the back of the bat cycle and that they just made, like, a really good team going up against Duella, like, Sophie taking on Duella and Kate saving um, What's-Her-Face from drowning in acid Harley Quinn style. So like all of that was they really they made a really good team and then I like at the end, um, Kate came up with a better reason why she and Sophie wouldn't work out than Luke's reason, um, and it just kind of like illustrated like Sophie and Kate working together just kind of like further illustrated like Luke is dumb and shouldn't get a vote on Kate's personal life. So, um, but I I like that Kate's reason for maybe them not continuing is you know the whole thing about the mask and having to hide the situation and you know she made like really good point about you know so what are we gonna do you're just gonna like chill with me in the bat suit we're gonna netflix and chill you don't know who i am you know are you okay with that it's something else you have to hide and you know all this kind of stuff um which is i think is a more reasonable reason why they can't continue on like this um and i i think like it gave me the the super or the hero and like the love interest working team up that I think we always want and that kind of trope but also it didn't drag it out long enough to the point where that when Sophie does eventually find out it will be less damage I think because they stopped it early we got like we got like a taste like a little treat and then they took it away so um I think that I think the way that they like I think the way they resolved it was really good. Um, Alice kidnapping a therapist to sort out her issues with facing August. Like, okay, mental health. All right. <laughs> I thought it was really uh, interesting <laughs> that she went actually just like, she's like, no, enough about herself to actually go and, you know, talk to a therapist and talk about her issues. She still killed the therapist. So, you know, baby steps. <laughs> but I like that she talked to him and we got a little bit more about like her, um, 
how she thinks and how going up against August isn't just going to be another day in the park for her. Um, I liked the the little Easter eggs of like Harvey Dent and Dwella Dent. Um, I liked. I don't like Jacob, but I guess the the whole something in the water isn't clean or something in the milk isn't clean within the crows is an interesting concept um, that they're going to explore later on. And it makes the guy in the prison. Oh, and it also brings in like Lucius Fox. So maybe like, finally, look, we get a story. If, you know, we continue on this thread and the guy that was in prison for killing Luke's dad is out of prison because something in the crows Oh yeah, he'll eventually get a storyline. Yes. (laughs) So there are seeds there for an actual story, which is great. Um, Mary, I I love Mary, and I thought that uh, it was really delicate how she went about it. Like she wasn't like, oh my god, you're totally Batwoman. She just kind of just like wanted you know Kate to tell her, and so she was like basically like listing out her resume of all the ways that she could be (laughs) useful and helpful. If she knew that her sister was Batwoman, so please tell me, Kate. Um, and I think she was she was going about it in in a very nice way. But then Alice had to like piss on everything and just like reveal that it was one more thing that she shared with Kate that Mary doesn't share with Kate, um, which was kind of sad. So, but I I did like the the conversation that she had with Kate at the end, and this one was like a little bit more serious not just you know look at all the ways that i can help you and wouldn't it be cool but more like you know i trust you completely so if there was something i would wish that you would treat me the same way because i would never do that to you kind of thing so hopefully like that does play into in the back of like kate's mind and she does take that to heart um the conference and then finally like the the reveal between Sophie and her mom uh, when she comes out of the closet I have stuff to say about it you know well it's not it is a dislike because it didn't turn out the way that we would want it to but I mean that's right that's life sometimes which is sad but I think like the way that Megan Tandy delivered the speech and um, the acting in that scene was just like really really strong and um beautiful and there's like a lot of emotion there and you could really feel it um so i I, in terms of how it was executed um that was really well done so Uh, i agree with all of that and i won't say i liked it but i thought that it was done in a way that was very like I could see this kind of conversation playing out in real life you know because it's not first of all I feel like Sophie's journey to this point has been it could have been um obviously established more but I feel like the last few episodes they've been playing it fairly well in terms of like her finally getting to a place where she can be honest with her mother because that takes a lot of guts to come out to someone you know is not going to be accepting of you and someone you know whose opinions and expectations you value and you've tried to live up to um especially in terms of like parent child relationships like that those conversations are hard because it's like well you know 
are, am I ever going to live up to expectations? And that's like what's going through Sophie's mind, like regardless of all these things that she's worked so hard for and done in her life, like nothing ever seems good enough. Um, and I really like that whole speech that she gave, which is really, really powerful. And I agree, like Megan Tandy completely knocked it out of the park where you really like felt for her. And I like, all I wanted to do was give her a hug. <laughs> um, there's lots of like sad moments too in, in general in the episode, but like with her, again, the dynamic of identity and um, what's interesting with Sophie is like, she's been hi- essentially hiding her, her true identity. And for Kate, I feel like, This episode sort of pointed out to me what I've probably neglected these last several episodes is that like being Batwoman in a way is maybe hard for her in terms of like identity. You know, like she's it sometimes seems like she's struggling with that because she's always been open about who she is as a person. Like we always see her saying like, oh, well, just like do this or just do that or I am who I am and I can't change that, you know. So it's like a completely different dynamic and i enjoy watching the two of them play off of each other where they can sort of figure things out in terms of their identity through each other and that was really great um also really loved the opening scene or not the cold open (laughs) with them going back and forth with luke and and mary and mary figuring out that she was like seeing someone and then luke being a buzzkill and but they were like it was just so like it was just so adorable it was so cute and you know just had me cheesing the whole time watching them and like we're really starting to see where kate really shines as a person like her not her better side but like her more happy side obviously shows up when she's with sophie (laughs) versus like what you know all the other times that she's doing yeah she's very cute cute. like she's like she's so flustered and it's very fun to watch her that way because she's very usually you know she's usually so put together (laughs) um but yeah all of that was great i do like the fact that at least jacob is getting something in terms of like the crows because it feels like ever since they set up the whole oh well the crows like who's holding the crows accountable storyline something is like happening within the crows and it's great to see because like they have you know they're on the self-righteous path or whatever as a an organization and i think that getting them to see that there is an actual corrupt system and that it's not just the gcp do who has like dirty cops basically in it that the crows also have something shady going on and that's really interesting sophie from like last week when she said don't Mm -hmm. think we should be doing this a different way so exactly Mm, yeah uh so yay points for sophie for being right um also love that jacob you know his preferred daughter calls her up because he trusts her so it's also about trust (laughs) (laughs) and it was really it was very sad to see like mary's final conversation with kate because i really wanted kate i've been wanting to kate to tell her and it just it's interesting how they're choosing to play it because they're still shining it yeah it doesn't but like how they're how they're playing it is that they're getting back to like mary's core insecurities about being Kate's sister and having Kate not trust her like she's in Kate's life but she wants to be in Kate's life and not just sort of like a bystander to the family um so that's like a nice uh continuity that we're getting I did um, like uh, when when um Kate was like on her way to see like they figured out the whole that the dwell was going after Instagrammers and she's like I'm going to go see the only insta face I care about and it was like Mary I was like oh that's cute <laughs> <laughs> Mary that doesn't do that. Really cute. 
<laughs> but yes, I love that they're actually using like her influencer slash, you know, social media guru lifestyle to the benefit of because uh, sorry, to the benefit of the show, because usually it's like, oh, well, I'm rich and I have uh, an Instagram and it's and it's like all that disappears after a while because it doesn't really matter to the to the plot. So I'm glad they're kind of using it. Um, what else? I love the Batmore team up, obviously. All that stuff was great. Uh, love that they were they did make a great team like they they play so well off of each other and it was wonderful to see that play out in such a great way and it was just nice to finally get like a real episode where it was focused on Sophie and like she had a from point A to point B to point C to point D all the way to the end and it was fantastic. What did not spark joy? <laughs> um. What did not spark joy? Um, well, on the flip side of I like how Mary handled the situation is that I am tired of Kate and pushing Mary away or like not letting Mary in. I don't understand why. Because same reason that it's very stupid for, um, you know, the reason that Luke gave was stupid for the breakup. Like, why push Mary away? Alice already knows who Mary is. Mary is literally constantly yeah. in danger. I think that she's almost died like once every episode. In what way is not telling her any safer for her? Uh, it just feels like Kate just doesn't think about Mary. <laughs> so, um, and, and while I loved Sophie and Kate teaming up this episode, it was even more obvious that Mary was like, hello, I would also like to be part of the team up. And Kate was like, mm, no, that's okay. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I really, really hope that after that last scene, Kate finally changes her mind and lets Mary Probably in. Probably not. That was enough. That was enough. Um, and yes, as pointed out, Luke's advice, why? Like, why, Luke? Why did you think that was a good idea? Alice knows who Kate is. Alice knows Kate loves Sophie. No one's going to use Sophie against Batwoman because Sophie will just shoot them, I assume. Like, or arrest them or whatever. Like, Sophie is a crow, and even if she's not a crow, she is a highly trained soldier lady. So I'm sure that it will be fine. Uh, and aside from Alice, everyone else is like, you know teenage socialite going after other teenage socialites because she wants someone <laughs> to rip her face off. So I think that Sophie will be okay. Um, so yeah, and I just, like, I'm glad like that you pointed out that there is the crumbs of Luke's storyline with the crows actually leading back to um, whoever killed Lucius Fox, the dude that killed Lucius Fox. So like, I'm glad that Luke will eventually have a storyline, but everyone else has had like at least Several. four storylines. <laughs> So it's super weird that Luke has had nothing. All he gets to do is just be grumpy in the Batcave. So, I don't know. I don't like that. Um, but speaking of the Crow storyline, everything that May said about it is true. So in that sense, I like it. But I would like it so much more if it was Sophie who was investigating <laughs> the corruption of the Crows because I just don't care about Jacob. And anything he does, I'm like, okay, Jacob, that's fine. So I didn't get interested in it until he was like, hey, Sophie, help me with this. And then I'm like, oh, yes, now it's good. Before that, I was like, <laughs> shut up, shut up. <laughs> so um, I think that is, I mean, I will also just say that I'm very sad for Sophie that it wound up the way it did. Like, I understood the purpose of the story, and I think it worked as part of Sophie's story. But I don't like Sophie's mom. I don't like her. And I um, hate that <laughs> Sophie and Batwoman had to end things because we got a withdrawals after only one episode. <laughs> yeah. And now you have to wait for season two or whatever. Maybe the season one finale. If we get a season one finale. I don't, yeah. I don't <laughs> think they'll be able to stay away. They've like right. broken up like five times already. Like, come on, girls, get it together. 
I didn't really for this episode like Luke being a killjoy was just really annoying to me like I feel like he's just a killjoy over the dumbest shit like why must Batwoman writers abuse him in this way like Jacob is the character for unnecessary and unwanted opinions like let's leave it at that um and his position makes zero sense like we've said and I think just the whole hiding your identity from your relatives makes zero sense on Batwoman in general because like you said like the only they just established in the pilot that the most dangerous character to Kate knows who she is and therefore knows who Mary and Sophie are um so what is the point (laughs) and it's not like I don't know Mary offers something she's not just like you know some random person in um case family that and like she's not just like a social media influencer and has no connection to any kind of underworld whatsoever it was also established in the pilot that mary runs an underground clinic that is visited by a lot of like shady people in gotham so she's already has like one foot in the world so it doesn't really make sense why kate has to feel the need to put up the wall in the first place Kate Uh, literally comes to her and brings her danger. Like, yeah, she like goes to her all the time. Just like make it official, Kate. Come on. And I feel like with Sophie, like Luke's position makes zero sense. Like even less sense because like out of all the damsel tropes, all all the damsels that could be damseled in the world, like Sophie is nowhere near close to being in a position where that could be her. Like Tati said, like she's a crow first of all. So there's a higher probability that Sophie will find a villain and take them down before they're able to work out that she's connected to Batwoman and use it to her, their advantage. Like, as many villains are scared of Batwoman, they're probably also scared of Sophie. So <laughs> that doesn't make sense that, you know, if someone, some villain finds her or finds out their connection, then she could be in trouble. Um, and then two, the most dangerous villain, like I said, already knows that she's Sophie. They already knows Sophie and already knows that Sophie's connection to Kate. So just like pushing them away for their own good like literally means nothing and i don't know like i know they put it in there because they wanted to have that kind of debate but that debate is stupid and the fact that it came from luke is also stupid um and like you said tati but like just in general with luke um he hasn't had any kind of like stories and so i feel like they just used him for this like soundboard of like bad ideas in the episode since he's like working with Kate (laughs) (laughs) and it just doesn't really do like a lot of um, service to his character or add any depth he just seems kind of like lacking in all kinds of like life experiences Um, so yeah that's that the whole um, conversation with Sophie and her mom I mean, yeah, because not all coming out stories are happy stories. And so it's it's good that they kind of showed that, you know, this is a realistic situation. And you can kind of see from Sophie's perspective um, why that she stayed in the closet for so long and um, how much like her mom's opinion means to her and the fact that, you know, like Sophie's black, Sophie's a woman, Sophie's a lesbian, Sophie is from an underprivileged economic background. Like she hit like the bingo on, you know, disadvantaged 
underprivileged like situations like she's got like a lot of like marks against her and so there's probably like a lot of pressure on her in childhood to like make something of herself and it's why she clings so hard to her um job as the crows and why she takes it so seriously um but to see like her you know obviously you want like her mom to come to like some kind of realization or whatever but i you know it's it was still upsetting to see like her mom kind of just didn't approve or um like how Sophie pointed out that she wanted to be like Batwoman and her mom's like well I don't like Batwoman she's like you didn't have a problem with Batman it's like well he was different and it's like oh because he was straight and that kind of you know realization that was the difference between Batman and Batwoman and it kind of like reiterates the whole um, episode like a few episodes back where the police chief like refused to call Batwoman to save his kidnapped son because she was lesbian and all that kind of stuff um, so yeah that was that was kind of difficult to watch um, yeah maybe that's it maybe I'll stop there that was beautiful <laughs> May it is my turn. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a really strong episode. I mean, like we said, we're just, you know, we're amazed how far this show has really come. And, and with this episode, yeah, I mean, I agree about, like, Sophie's mom. I thought that was, it was really hard to watch. It was really painful. And, like, I got super teary watching. I was like, no, say something nice to your daughter. <laughs> but... Mm. I also think, like, them introducing it this early means that hopefully she'll come around at some point, eventually. Uh, But that's just me being optimistic. And so, yeah, that was really hard to watch. And the reasons behind, like, why even people say the things that they do without even really voicing, like, why it is that they truly don't like something, you know. So that was um, sad. And Luke... (sighs) I don't know what's going on with Luke. Like, did they not see this man during crisis? He could be doing so much. Oh my God. Crisis Luke. Do I really want Crisis Luke back? back. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Have him, you know, stop being like, he needs to get out of that cave. This is what this man needs to do. He needs to leave the bat cave and he needs to go get some ice cream. He's self-quarantining, okay? Leave him alone. Like, Crisis Luke also, like, like, they brought back Beth and Allie. Yeah, Beth and Alice. Like, why couldn't, like, Luke and Luke, like, just merge into, like, a new Luke? (laughs) Merge. (laughs) Merge into one shirtless. Yeah. He was also kind of grumpy because he's a villain, so just be a villain. Like, he's a villain, but now he's not as grumpy and also shirtless. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> That's the key um, point. Remove the shirt. <laughs> Let this man thrive. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, hopefully he'll get something down the line. But at this point, it's like what episode 14, 13, 14 It's just, 14, yeah. it's sad. It's sad that he hasn't gotten anything at all. Um, and even that the fact that it's it's not looking well either because they gave that whole thing to Jacob about. You know his dad. I don't know that they're ever going to really like bring him in on it. <laughs> um, I think when he gets out of jail, like when the dude gets out of jail, because I'm pretty sure they'll like Jacob will get him out of jail, and then like Luke will be like, 
Kate, what the fuck is your dad doing? Why is he getting my dad's killer out of jail? And so hopefully that's what I hope. Prediction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, besides those things, I guess like, yeah, it's, it's continuing to get annoying that Jacob and Kate don't know who each other are. It's like, they're not even related. I don't understand. <laughs> um, I guess they're saving it, but this show could actually use with a bit more family touch, like family moments, sitting down and like going out occasionally, just hanging out besides having it be so plotty and, and whatnot. Like they need, like Kate has a whole ass mansion. She needs to go, go find it, <laughs> sit in it, R&R, you some know? real estate business, Kate. Do, yes, do some real estate business. Like what is she doing she with her bar other than like beating people up? When she was asking about plastic surgeries and, um, and social media influencers for research for her business. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, but that is all. Do we have any feedback? We do. We do, we do, we do. Yes. Hey, maybe if Shang stops giving Supergirl feedback, yes. switch to Batwoman. Batwoman, exactly. <laughs> um, Batwoman, if you told me after episode one that I'd be getting my dose of serotonin from this show, I would have laughed at your face. Yes, <laughs> that's what you're saying. Oh, if I ever see Megan Tandy in real life, I would ask for her autograph, number and hand in marriage. <laughs> Sophie was an absolute delight and star of the episode. Her coming out at the end, chef's kisses, chef kiss, and a bucket of my tears. Because I didn't want you to look at me like how you're looking at me right now. Hmm. Well, shit. This hit me hard. I had war flashbacks. Coming out of the closet is hard, and not every queer person ends up with a happy ending. And this right. hit a little too close to home. I'm sad. Oh, I'm sorry, Shang. Hugs. Don't be sad. Well, be sad because you should feel your feelings and that bottle them up, but don't be too sad. It's okay. We love you. <laughs> exactly. We love you. Um, Mary suddenly trying to be part of Team Bat. Ooh, I love my child. Yes. Um, Alice having therapy. Lena Luther, take notes. Yes. <laughs> Lena needs to kill doing a therapist. She wouldn't kill her therapist, at least. She, she might would then not. Be like... She would just, like, lobotomize him with none exactly. of the <laughs> All right. And then I think we've got Celeste. Um, that one. The episode um, opened up with Sophie and Kate being very happy, and it was so cute. It was nice seeing them be giddy, even if it was only for a short time. Oh my god, we we're like linked. This is exactly what I said. Sophie's mom showing up was something, all right. <laughs> Although I didn't pre- appreciate the confirmation that Sophie and Tyler were in fact separated. The villain of the week was weirdly interesting. The show and things involving faces, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mary throwing all those not so subtle hints. She's dropping hints like. Um, that she knows Kate is Batwoman was kind of comical because she couldn't be any more obvious. I hope Kate tells her soon. If she doesn't tell her next episode, I'm like, it demerits. Dishonor on your family. Dishonor <laughs> on your cow. Um, finally, Sophie's coming out scene to her mom was something else. As a black lesbian who's closeted for the most part, that whole scene felt very personal. It was very well acted. I cried. I love seeing the storyline finally be given some depth. And I'm interested in seeing where her storyline will be going. Hugs to you as well. Well, maybe not a group hug, a virtual hug. A virtual hug, yes. A group virtual hug. Yes, social distancing. But (laughs) emotions being sent out to both of you. Yes. And I think that's that. Um, super. I mean, on the that woman feedback, right? Yeah. Excellent. I was gonna. I did leave out, and I can't believe I said this, or I didn't say this. But I'm gonna say it now. That Kate should have told Mary that she was Batwoman. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. Anyway, yep. I was upset. <laughs> Mary just wants to be loved, Kate. Love her. Right. <laughs> um, what predictions do we have or don't have? Well, 
for me, like another one of the Easter eggs that Tati mentioned is like the fear toxin, like mouse being force fed fear toxin. Um, it felt a little scarecrow to me. So I feel like there's, you know, that was interesting and in what could, what that could lead to. Cause that was kind of like the cliffhanger of the episode. So mouse hopped up on fear toxin. What is going to happen from that? Um, and then, like, this is actually, like, farther into the future prediction. Like, when the show was first coming out, I remember, like, we, we were going through, like, the list of characters and their predictions on whether or not, like, Mary would become Flamebird at some point. But now, I wonder if they ever do it. Like, if they ever go down that road. It feels like it would be more likely for, like, Sophie to suit up as Flamebird um, and do, Ooh. like, a duo that way. She would have to leave the crows, but, like, crow to flame. They're both birds, so just, oh, like, graduate. So... Like, Phoenix graduate, you know what I mean? All right. But, like, Mary, at this point, um, just would not make sense. Like, she's clearly a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> and, like, yeah, Sophie Yeah, and should has... be, like, best at the hospital, you know. Yeah, and, and Sophie already has, like, the skill and dynamic with Kate in the field. We saw that clearly in this episode. So I just need Jacob to, like, let go. <laughs> let the bird fly, please. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Tati? Nothing. No thoughts, head empty. I agree oh, with, God. as always, with Jessica's predictions. It's <laughs> yeah. usually on point. I'm branded. Moving into side B. Uh, chain of lightning, dark rituals, and line of defense. We'll start with the Flash. Wally West speeds back into Central City. Kid Flash returns to Central City with a zen attitude and new tricks up his sleeve. While thrilled to see his family again, Wally confides to Barry that he returned because he thinks there's something wrong with the Speed Force. Meanwhile, Cisco returns from his fact-finding mission across Earth Prime, Brent Crowell, Crow, Crowell, Crowell directed the episode, yes, written by Sam Chelson and Emily Palazzi Gilbert. Palizzi Gilbert, sorry. What sparked joy? I, I think I was really surprised about this episode. I wasn't, I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be, like, kind of, like, un, you know, I was excited for Wally's return, but I wasn't sure how the episode as a whole would be. But it was another really solid episode of The Flash, which is great. It feels like we're on, like, an upward track since Crisis. I think Wally's return was so well done. So great to see him back. Um, And I like what they did with his um, Zen mantra and, like, his newfound skills. And I feel like they were treated much more deftly than I was expecting. Like, the the scene where he is saving, like, the Russian lady from the helicopter. Oh, that actually, that opening scene is really, really funny when, like, Caitlin and Camilla are like, oh, my gosh, something's happening, but it's okay. The Flash is there. And Barry's like, where am I? <laughs> that was, like, really, really funny. And, like, the cut to, like, Wally and his new powers and actually making, like, five of him to actually save the helicopter. Um the hug between Barry and Wally when like the reunion hug was was really, really nice. Wally's um, lightning, like playing with the lightning to make like a Lotus flower. Great use of special effects. Um, Really cool. The way that was done in, um, in the show, like showing off his new, his new strengths and his new powers, which kind of makes you like, look at Barry, like, what are you doing, Barry? Like Wally can make like Lotus flowers with lightning. Like what what can you do with your lightning? (laughs) Um, he will make an iris. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like, because I feel like um, 
and when they first made the character change with Wally, um, running off to like study Buddhism and all that kind of stuff, I feel like it, it was wasn't really taken seriously or just kind of like you know done to make Wally a little bit eccentric or you know play it off. But I feel like in this episode with him coming back, they really dug into the Buddhism and Wally's like mindset and showed how they added like a layer of depth, which I think was missing um, and how Wally was written before. Like I really loved his heart to heart with Barry um, about like the mother that lost her son and asked Buddha to bring him back and, you know, how it was a lesson to teach that, um, you know, everyone has lost someone, you know, you can't change the mistakes of the past. And um, it was a really touching way to use his newfound like Buddhism and Zen lifestyle to add value to the story rather than that just being like there and, you know, just like sur- shallow surface level kind of thing. So I, I, I did like that a lot. I like how they incorporated it into the story a lot. Um, I also like that there was so much Wally and, and Barry in this episode and exploring their dynamic and Wally kind of being like Barry's Zen master and, you know, teaching him more about the speed force and his, I like that we learned about his connection to the speed force, how Wally's connection to the speed force is different from Barry's and how, um, he talked to it. And I can't remember if, um, if Wally said that the speed force took on, well, did the speed force come to him as like Francine or was it just, just like a voice that talked to him? It was uh, like a voice in his head or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like a voice in his head and that, you yeah, know. I'm sure he would have said if it was Francine. Yeah, <laughs> probably. But I, I, I do like that, like his connection with the Speed Force and how like show him things about the future and the whole concept of the chain of lightning and how it's like pered- like passed down um, like an heirloom to their kids. And, you know, so Wally like seeing Brennan with his kids and him seeing Nora and just kind of like the whole family aspect of the Speed Force. Um was really nice. Um, Wally, I like Wally getting mad at Barry for like losing that. Um, and then going into the speed force and that's not, that's not like, cause I was going to say like, the, how they figured out the speed force was dying. It's like, it, cause it's Oliver. So that's not like, but um, that whole like sequence where like Wally takes Barry into the speed force is really good. Um, the mirror iris <laughs> i do like the we didn't get a lot of iris in the black hole storyline in this episode but i do like that um we did get to see something like when iris and eva were talking eva kind of like freaks out and starts counting and how that affects mirror iris in the real world and kind of like slips there's like a, a glitch in the matrix there um and then when Camilla takes the photo of Wally and Iris, there's another like glitch there where she's like, you need to delete the like cut the cameras, dead ass, delete the photo. Um, and the the cliffhanger ending where she just completely like drops the facade and we see her zap Camilla with the mirror gun was really great cliffhanger. And I like that on the camera, um, we finally get a visual of what mirror iris like actually is like when you drop the filter and it's just like this like mirror projection thingy um so it's really good 
cliffhanger into hopefully like next week when we get to explore what actually happened to Camilla. Um, other things, Cisco's return. I like that he was back. I like that he confused like Wally's reunion or his homecoming with his own. <laughs> he was like really happy for a second. Um, and I liked his uh, conversation with Caitlin because um, they usually have like really, really good heart to hearts together. So I enjoyed their scene. Um, the CCPD scene with Wally and Barry, like, teaming up and fighting and, and dodging Turtle 2. Like, Turtle 2 is a weird name, Cisco. Like, you could do better. Um, I like that. I like that Barry pointed that out to you. Like, Turtle 2, come on, Barry. Come on. Um, but I like the the way that they fought Turtle 2 in the CCPD. Um, everything about that team up was just, like, really, really great. The fact that Wally, before he left, told Joe, you know, take out, take care of Iris because something isn't right. Something seems off. I love that he said that to Joe because people have been getting on like Barry's case and fandom like Barry, Wally figured out in two seconds or in 48 hours what Barry hasn't figured out at all. But like Barry. These lies. I know. Barry knew from the first bite of that fluffy, perfectly cooked pancake that something was wrong with his wife. (laughs) 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 But Joe, Joseph, I know my baby girl, West has not had any kind of clue that something is wrong with Iris. Even even when she, like, yelled at him and then blew him off for lunch, he has been the most in the dark out of all the people closest in Iris's life. So I like that Wally, like, kind of clued him into that, and so maybe that Joe will start paying a little bit more attention um, in the upcoming stories, and that will only drive us closer to the realization for the whole team that this is a fake, Mary Iris is a fake, and get us to the point of getting Iris out of that mirror. So that was all really good. I think I'm done. <laughs> That's all I can it's remember. Like the whole episode. Yeah, the, whole yeah, episode. Like the whole episode. <laughs> the whole episode. Well, I didn't touch on Nash because I don't, ooh, reverse flash. Like that, that part. I thought the, the fight between Nash and Cisco, the stunt choreography was really well done. It's something really new for Cisco too, because like, a, um, I don't think he's ever really done just like, hand-to-hand combat kind of thing so that was cool i was glad that um reverse flashes thon's shaky hand thing didn't work because he was in nash's body so that was that was a relief to me so (laughs) (laughs) now i'm done Uh, now i've now i've recounted the whole episode now you'll be able to yeah that was that was disrespectful yes agreed (laughs) (laughs) all right so um I don't even know where to start, but yes, I absolutely loved uh, the way that they had Raleigh come back. I definitely think it's like his strongest episode in a long time. <laughs> I mean, he's like, if we just go back to when, you know, he was on the show, it's his strongest yeah, episode no, since like mid season two or something. Um, because the show did not give him um, very much material to work with during his run, unfortunately. Um, but they made the most of it with this return here. Like not just that, for once, like, Zen Wally, right? Like, like, or basically, you know, like, Keenan, Keenan's life now, um, is not, like, a joke. It is, like, actually, yeah. like, ser- taken seriously. Like, this is how he is living his life. This is how he is connecting to the Speed Force. This y- is useful to him in his life as a speedster. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really nicely um, encapsulated in the scene with Joe, which... Um, 
At first I was laughing because it could not be more obvious that Joe has a preference in sons. And it is Barry. Like, <laughs> Wally comes in, I'm so mad at Barry. But have you thought about how Barry feels, Wally? Don't you think that Barry's real sad that you yell at him, Wally? Like, <laughs> I was like, okay. But <laughs> when he was done with that, he did point out very wisely just how much Wally has grown, right? And that Wally has done that on his own. And like, you know, whatever. Like, Wally is like a new, better man. Uh, and that Joe has had the privilege, you know, in these short span of time of watching him evolve like that. So I really like that. It was really nice. I mean, I've seen the two of them. It's been so long since I really got to see them be father and son. So I was very happy for that. Um, also very happy to see, like, the wide range of dynamic between Barry and Wally. Because we have the Wally that's exasperated at Barry and who even, you know, loses his cool, loses his zen because he's so upset at what Barry has done, right? So we do see yeah. that how important the Speed Force is to Wally, too, which is not something that we really get to see uh, usually. Um, and then also, you know, when he uh, takes pity on Barry and <laughs> empathizes with him and looks at things from his point of view. So that is also great. I really love that. And then we got that really lovely um, team up between them and like, you know, hug. We love family bonds. Yay. And speaking of family bonds, we actually not only got, you know, obviously Wally with Mirror Iris, which I was almost worried they wouldn't even interact, but Iris, our Iris having to yeah. watch them. Oh my God. My heart breaks for her. It's so sad. Ava almost seemed like she felt bad for like a split second. I'm like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, and she's like, at least your husband loves you. Mine doesn't talk to me anymore. Right. <laughs> Ava's so bitter. Um, but, <laughs> but not only that, that I love that Wally picked up on it. Yeah. So Wally was like, hmm, something is off with Iris. And I will say, I, although I do make jokes about Barry not realizing, I totally agree with you guys. Like, Barry knew from the get-go something was wrong. Um, but what I like is that Barry was kind of like, Iris A gaslighted him into thinking that, that it was fine. And also Joe! Joe, Joe without did, even realizing, yeah. was like growing and changing. He's just fine. Just don't really worry about it. And now this time, Wally was like, something's wrong with Iris. And Joe's like, am I the crazy one? Am I the only one that doesn't understand? <laughs> so, so really, it's Joe who does not know. So exactly. like, this There's an the infected face. branch in the tree, Joe. You need and to he's cut it known off. her longer than anybody, longer <laughs> than Gary even. So he should be the one to know that yes. for shame. <laughs> but yeah, so so I did like that Wally picked up on it and that he pointed it out to Joe. And so hopefully, you know, that'll be something that Joe passes on to Barry maybe next episode, which maybe we'll get Barry's brain. Well, because I think isn't 15 or is it 16? I can't remember. One of the, the synopses is that Joe, I think it's 15. Like Joe gets targeted by black hole and he, or he like wants, he keeps going into black hole and digging into it and thing is like, no, no. And Joe's like, I can't stop. So. Yeah. It's one yeah. of them. I don't remember which one it is, but it's definitely coming up real soon. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think so yeah. So I mean, 15 is the exorcism of Nash Wells, so it's possible. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm just going to, I would just think that Barry probably. would be in that storyline. Because we got, like, 16 synopsis and then 15 photos, and that's confusing, so. Yes, it is mind. confusing. <laughs> yes, it's very confusing. You're right. You're not right. You're not right. You are right. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, speaking of Iris, um, I I do love that, like, mirror iris is kind of like losing her grip a little bit and it and we see how it's connected to eva like we still don't know like why they're connected exactly but obviously um 
Eva breaking down, which Eva does a lot, <laughs> does make, make Iris break down a bit, too. And we see more people starting to notice. Like, Camilla was like, hmm, that's weird. And then Camilla got blasted into the Mirrorverse. Yay! I mean, boo, but yay for Mirror for, for Iris and, and Camilla teaming up in the Mirrorverse. Um, but yeah, I did love, I loved a little bit where Camilla was like, y'all are the best looking siblings, or y'all make the best looking family. So true. She's so smart. She knows everything. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. So, so yeah, all of that, all of that was good. Um, then the Nash storyline, like, like you said, I, I finally of interest. I finally care something about Nash, only because you know he is literally reverse Flash right now. <laughs> um, so I did, I did love the confrontation between Cisco and Reverse Flash because it felt like season one. Like it felt like yeah. we're right back where we started, and also like he still has that same like burning ire that we still don't understand, and I cannot wait to find out why exactly he hates these people. Um, but I especially loved it <laughs> because. Cecile saved Cisco. <laughs> she just smacked him. <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah, Cecile for the win. Um, also, I think it was this episode that Joe mentioned relieving the babysitter. So Jenna, Jenna lives. She's fine. Um, I hope the babysitter gets like double pay because I hope she gets overtime all the time. She's um, like a living nanny. <laughs> <laughs> a living nanny. Yeah, maybe she is. I'm going to relieve her so that she can go play video games in her room that is in our house because she never leaves because we are always out. Um, so yeah. Um, all of that good. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I liked the scene of there was a Cisco and Caitlin scene that it was good. Like Caitlin being there feels more natural. Yay. Good. You know, Caitlin's like, yes, I know science things and speed force things. So I am I a can, useful member. A bioengineer. <laughs> <laughs> when did Cisco forgot that she was one? <laughs> I was like, yes. I'm glad because I didn't know she was one. I was like, I thought she was a doctor. I'm so confused. <laughs> so yes, uh, Jack of many trades. But yes, she makes more sense than Killer Frost, even though they did. Well, we'll talk about that later. So it was nice to see Caitlin. Hello, Caitlin. Um, am I done? I think that's I, I, everything. I liked everything. The whole episode was so good. Yay. Obviously, I agree with all all of this. I don't even know what to add. I mean, I'm gonna say that. Um... I like seeing unhinged mirror Iris and that like she's slowly dropping the facade. She's like, okay, you know, I can't keep this up anymore. So I'm going to just send you to the mirror verse. <laughs> I'm going to pretend to convince you that I'm real Iris. <laughs> but what's great is that like, it's so, like the whole camera thing hints at the fact that for me, why Cecile can't get a reading, like a feelings reading on Iris, because if she's just made of mirror particles or whatever, she probably doesn't sense the same thing because she's not really human. Oh, um, is she able to sense that there's nothing there, like there's nothing going on in Iris's brain? I don't know. Cecile's <laughs> powers can, are confusing. <laughs> um, but at least, like, we got we got the sense that, like, part of Iris's plan, at least, is, like, because she was trying to get Wally out of Central City really fast. She was also it, trying yeah. to, yeah, she was also, like, you know, well, Barry, you know, if you don't have, if you're not Flash forever, maybe that's a good thing. You won't have your powers. <laughs> so she's like trying to get rid of her obstacles, people she knows are going to get in her way of whatever it is that she's doing. Um, so you can see that. And I like that slowly, even like, I mean, Barry in this episode was just for my, my putting on my Barry Defense Squad shirt this week. I can't believe I'm defending all these men. <laughs> oh my gosh. What's wrong with you? You're the ladies assumption. Ladies only. Captain David Himbo. 
But yes, I completely agree. Obviously, like he knew that this was not really his, there's something off from the from the beginning. So I will not have tolerate any Barry slander. It's like you can't blame Iris for not knowing that Barry was the Flash in season one when everyone was telling her that he wasn't. This is right. the same in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> so reverse so that in mind. <laughs> yeah. So he knew and he still knows because he's looking at her like, are you serious? Like, why are you saying these things to me? You would never say these things. Right. (laughs) So all of that was great. It was like a, you know, it was like a West Island conversation, but there was something off, you know? Um, So that was great. I didn't even expect that at all. Um, I loved Wally's return. I loved seeing him having grown with all these new powers. And like you guys said, you know, before his then thing was like sort of a joke and now it is and it's really part of his connection to the speed force and that's great because we never really got like before he was thrilled that he has powers and it was really cool and all this but now he's like more adult you can see that he has like actual personal connection with it and it was really nice that we got a hint of a like Nora's probably still alive in the future to some degree um so that was nice confirmation. I feel like they've been hinting at certain things. Um, well, loved his kids, his kids, kids. Yes. Um, so a little bit of the Wally West twins there. Everybody has twins. <laughs> um, but yeah, all that was great. I really liked the fact that it felt for me like Wally's anger felt a lot like it, this was his pent up rage at Barry. Like all those times that he had to take it because Barry was mad at him for one reason or another, yeah. um, or people just getting on him for whatever. Now it's just like the reverse where Barry was just kind of like taking it, you know, instead. And, and it was just like Wally's anger being sent his way. But I really liked how they, that got resolved and that whole conversation about the Buddha story. And then like seeing what Wally learned versus, what also Barry taught him. So that was like a really nice connection and a kind of coming full circle moment for the both of them, because um, we never really got enough of their relationship. And I feel like this episode did a great, great job of adding so much depth uh, to it. And hopefully we get to see like more, like I, w- I hope Kenan can come back for like a couple episodes uh, next season. That would be great. Yeah. Um, so all of that, like the even the reasons for the Speed Force dying, essentially, like everyone's thinking, hey, you know, it was his whole thing with Ramsey and his, the infection and whatnot. But no, it was Spectre Oliver. <laughs> so that was like it was devastating to see to have to watch. I wouldn't say the like, but to have to watch like that really emotional moment between Barry and this dying Speed Force and. You know, the Speed Force essentially telling him that, like, yes, choosing you was one of the best things we ever did, which is really nice. It was so sweet, so soft. And I'm just like, oh, the connection. So beautiful. So that was really nice. All of that was tremendous. And, again, like, the little things with, you know, Wally also sensing. So, like, first we have Barry trying to figure out, like, there's something off with Iris. But now everyone else is getting a taste of what is going on with her without really knowing what's wrong with her you know so it's just little things so it's all coming together it's a great build up um, we're getting a lot of forward movement I love that I love the fact like I don't know how uh, reverse flash is really back but like I loved the shift with like uh, Tom Cavanaugh does this really well where he'll be playing like another Wells and all of a sudden he'll just stand up straight and stare ahead and you know that he is now fallen. <laughs> so it was like a nice yeah. uh, nod to you know his performance. It was really 
really well done and his whole thing with Cisco. I actually felt really bad for Nash because I know that he didn't really explain to Cisco what was going on, but I feel like he was just losing it. And, you know, I felt really bad for him. He's like, I'm seeing all these ghosts. I don't know why. <laughs> I, um, I think he needs to be skilled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like his return was, you know, or at least Reverse Flash's return, not Nash. Um, his return was like really well done. And I feel like his coming back in a Speed Force episode where that was like the focus. And then like Iris saying the lightning rod line again. It's all connected, but that's a prediction. So what did not spark joy? If there was anything. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Nash didn't spark joy for me. Like the whole hissy fit that he had at Cisco. Like they are solving like... Team Flash is solving an actual problem with, like, an actual villain that they can see um, with, like, this Turtle 2 thing. And Cisco is trying to, like, figure that out. And then Nash comes in and it's just like, I want you to stop the case that you're working on. And I want you to help me with some vague thing that I won't exactly tell you what it is. We have to solve it, like, right now. And then getting mad when Cisco's like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I thought it was just, like, really, you know, petulant child of him to have this kind of, like, hissy fit about you know he was going through something but if you don't explain it if you don't use your words then people aren't gonna know like what exactly that you want so i don't he he really got on my nerves until reverse flash took him over and then i liked it again (laughs) i like that storyline again but before that it was just kind of like annoying (laughs) um there was something else that i was gonna say there's not a lot of like dislikes um I can't remember what was the other thing that I was going to say. Damn it. It was in my head and now it's gone. Shall we come back to it? Yeah, it'll come back. Go ahead. All right. Um, my Okay, this is like a dumb dislike, but <laughs> uh, when Wally brought up how like oh well just because you were saving everyone in crisis you save the universe in crisis or like whatever and i was like where are you all in crisis why why (laughs) um and it's like they didn't even give a line in passing about like why he could not come save the world in crisis or like ah i was in the middle of like you know meditation and so when you called the person that is in charge did not you know (laughs) Yeah, I remember. I remember what I was. You, you bring up crisis made me remember what my other dislike was. Uh-huh. The fact that Oliver is the reason that the Speed Force is dying. <laughs> Oliver infected the Speed Force. That was a like. That was a like for me. I was like, yes, Oliver's a guilty from beyond the grave. <laughs> it's like because I had this whole th- it, it like really fucked up my whole theory about like the black hole siphoning off the Speed Force to make fake Godspeeds. So like I uh... wanted to get like away from like crisis. Um, so, like, the fact that they tied it to Crisis, I'm like, damn it. <sighs> okay. There had to be some fallout, Tragic. I suppose. <laughs> Tragic. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> aside from that, I will say, like, not that I was, you know, I'm sad for, for your theory, so. Yeah. Rest in peace. Jessica's beautiful theory. But, I thought that, I don't know, I did think that Barry's attitude was kind of upsetting like at first like I was a little annoyed by him and he was like no it's fine I didn't do anything like what are you talking about this is fine everything's fine 
And I was like, what? It's Harry? like the little meme with like the dog in the house that's on fire. Yes. Like, fire. Yes. <laughs> and then like, you know, even after like for that time when he thought that it was him because he literally like stabbed his mom with a vibrating hand. Uh, and then he was like, oh, yeah, well, but I didn't do it on purpose. I was just, you know, I was possessed. What do you want me to do? Okay. Moving on. We'll just move off on those speed force. It's fine. And then, and then it wasn't until he found out that it was Oliver that suddenly he was really sad. So I was like, all right. I guess that's weird, but you know, he, it was, it was fixed by the end of the episode. So it's fine. It does kind of feel like he, like when you compare Wally's connection to the speed force and this app, now he talked about it versus Barry's that Barry uses the speed force kind of like selfishly a little yes! bit. Yes. It's so strange. Like how is the speed force clearly like an omniscient being like some kind of God force, right? That it would, you know, Wally, Wally must like pray to it basically to get that connection. Um, and it's like clearly impersonal, right? It's like a third party observer, just like being like, Hey Wally, what's up? This, this, and this. And then meanwhile with Barry, it's like, my beautiful boy, I'm coming yeah. to you <laughs> in the shape of your mother. My beautiful boy, you've done so good. I love, I love you. you. I'm yeah. so glad we chose you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, this is really a little bit, this is a bit much. Like you literally just told us how Wally sees it and it is not at all the same. So it's just, again, like another... <laughs> Barry's the sweet horse's favorite child. <laughs> he is the chosen one. <laughs> yeah, apparently he's the chosen one, and Wally is just like also there. <laughs> so, so it is, it is just strange. So I mean, so yeah, but that's just like an always. I think, in fact, you know what? It's not an always thing. It cropped up in this episode because we have never before seen how Wally deals with the speed horse. So now it's like right there, and it's like not the same. <laughs> so yeah. Um, also. This isn't really a dislike, but oh, Michelle Harrison, I'm so sorry. You must be so tired. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she responded to the Flash podcast and she was like, I'm happy to do it. When they were like, oh, she just made me cry for the 26th time. She's like, oh, I'm happy to make you cry. And I was like, are you now? Are you just doing it for the check? I feel like you're just doing it for the check. I feel like somebody should do it like a, a, a we'd all cry over it, but a bad edit <laughs> over like every time she's come on the show. <laughs> every time she's <laughs> Oh yeah, someone should like be like her screen time spent dying versus not dying. <laughs> See how that plays out. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. I mean, I don't really have any of your dislikes. You know, actually, you know what? No, I don't. No, it's fine. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> yes, I am that meme. Um. Hmm. I guess I'm gonna like be super super nitpicky and say that I actually didn't like obviously I don't didn't mind Caitlin at all this episode and I thought that her scene with Cisco was really nice and warm and fuzzy feels but I would like the show to just give me a reason as to why the switch off like if Frost is supposed to be living her life why suddenly is Caitlin there I mean yes logically you know like oh yeah well Cisco's gonna be back, so I guess we're gonna have to have, to have Caitlyn. But it's like, but you could also explain it to me and show why Frost decided to take this week off versus right. last week when Caitlyn was actually needed. <laughs> yeah, I, I answered and asked so, about that I don't know. on Tumblr about like, you know, why couldn't if they were gonna do because she was here in this episode, she has to be there in fifteen. Grodd was should have been a Caitlyn episode, so if they're gonna have her there for like a little mini arc anyway, why not just like have the switch off being the Grodd episode where it made sense instead of just not explaining it 
in this episode at all. Yeah. And I guess Ralph is just so upset that he just went off after Sue and never came back. <laughs> is that what we're supposed to believe? I guess so. <laughs> all right. Who sent feedback? We had Many three people. people. Anita, Celeste, and Suara. Oh, Suara. Suara's so reliable. All right. Here we go. Let's start with Anita because it's been a while. Or it's not really been a while, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it's been a while since we heard the name because we've been reading other names. All right. <laughs> Anita. <clears throat> <laughs> yes, we are indeed uh, doing the podcast via social distancing. But, but that's not like because all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not because, it's because we live on three different time zones. Exactly. Not because we have to. I mean we do have to. Because <laughs> we don't know if we're all clear. Tassie's trying to get out of it. <laughs> I, no, I'm just saying, like, I don't know if Jessica I don't know if they do testing for y'all over there, but they do not for us over here. So yeah. <laughs> all right, like, anyway. oh well, do they have it? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. How do I know? <laughs> all right. Whew. I enjoy this episode, even if we only got an all-too-brief visit from our dear kid, Flash. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm so sorry, Anita. I forgot to say my dislike was the villain. Just whatever. I don't know. Oh, Turtle yeah. yeah. I literally forgot, forgot about Turtle 2. So inconsequential so... because yes. it was so lame. <laughs> I only loved, it was only uh, joyful because we got the really cool team-up. I do Otherwise. like that Natalie, the Jitters um, bartender, keeps getting checks. Yes, that's true. We like that continuity. continuity All right, we yes. love that. <laughs> All right, anyway. <clears throat> it was good to see Wally's growth as a Zen speedster, but it did raise an issue for me with Barry's slow, slow development as a speedster. Yes. Wally has a spiritual connection with the speed force and uh, communes with it and plays with pieces of it. Even Abarthon created a speed force of his own, albeit one that multiplies his evil. Barry doesn't seem to experience the speed force in any other way than as a tool when he needs to use his powers. Otherwise, Barry's interactions with it have mostly been tough teaching, retribution, or imprisonment. And now he killed it? He is the only speedster with a toxic relationship to the speed force. <laughs> I also understand Wally's anger. It manifests itself to him as... Oh, it does manifest itself to him as Francine. Okay, I'm just insane. What now? Well, she said it manifests itself to him as Francine. Did he say that? No, I, I think that's where I got it from, from Anita's oh. feedback, but I don't know that it was actually said in oh, okay. the show. But if it did, let's assume it's the same way, right? Um, imagine that Wally commune with Francine from time to time, and then Barry comes along and kills, <laughs> kills her. That, that would be very bad. <laughs> that would be very bad. Um, Cisco didn't stay away too long. He made his glorious return in time to help figure out that Mirrorus is actually a very powerful projection of some kind. I suspect that he'll do it because he knows old photography and how vintage film cameras work. Thought, what if it uses mirrors like some kind of antique model? And remember in season one when they went back to Ch Barry's childhood home? Cisco remembered the antique mirror probably had a silver nitrate on the back. I do not remember that. That's a very in obscure. In powder. That was like a so deep bad. cut. That was a <laughs> deep point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Joe will share Wally's concern. He and Cisco will saddle up and crack another case, for Camilla's sake at least. I hope so. That'd be really good. I like that prediction. All right. Now we've got Celeste. Celeste says, Wally coming back met my expectations and honestly gave me more than I expected. True. It was more than expected. I loved almost everything about the episode. Uh, having to watch Iris see Wally from the mirror broke my heart. Can't wait for her to get out. I'm curious to see what, after effect, what the after effect of being trapped in the mirror will do. 
The Speed Force dying completely was not what I was expecting, even though the title was Death of the Speed Force. I thought it was going to be solved. I also thought it was going to be solved. Clown makeup is on now. Um, Oliver, still messing shit up from the dead, pretends to be shocked. Yes. Um, Bon being back is eh. I feel like his time is past due. Maybe Barry will pull a comic book move and snap his neck already. <laughs> kind of tired of Fawn, and since most of Barry's big villains always end up dying anyways, dot, dot, dot. Finally, that cliffhanger. I'm going to assume Camilla was sent to Mirrorverse, and now when she goes in there spouting things about what's going on, I wonder if that's what builds up Iris' suspicion about Eva. Do you guys think Eva will be able to control both uh, Mirror Iris and Mirror Camilla? Because no. we saw mm-hmm. Mirror Iris kind of malfunction when Eva wasn't in the right mindset. I don't know, but I'm really interested in this arc. I am too. Do we think there will be a Mirror Camilla? Yeah, I, well, I think that's what the pictures are. Like, I think the pictures are them real. in the real world. Because oh. yeah, the lady that they were with is not Eva. So. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Hate, but all right. I don't hate <laughs> it. I love it because I love teaming up on other end, but I want to see the reverse as well. <laughs> so that will make it harder for the others to figure it out but we'll see it'll, as long as it'll make i don't think it, i think it'll make it easier because i think like what um she's saying is that if eva is already struggling just trying right. to keep her iris alive or afloat then mm-hmm. having to do two people at the same time is going to be even more difficult and they're going to be acting even more weird so yeah <laughs> and plus camilla will come with some information at least to get things yes. moving in the mirror yeah. in the mirror yeah, hopefully, the mirror. hopefully yes. like she yeah. shows up there but yeah yeah um flash was so this is from spora flash with aces yet again it was amazing to have wally slash keenan back he's such a great character and actor i really hope he becomes at least a recurring character again me too I also finally like Nash because we got we got rid of him and replaced his line with Thons. Yay! <laughs> Does Thons return make sense? Of course not. But he got rid of the horrendous Nash and I'm so happy. It looks like Mirror Iris will become a more overt antagonist, which I'm very much looking forward to. I hope Iris has more to do next week, which I think she thankfully will. Barry's remorse wasn't was heartbreaking. Yes, with Grant bringing his A game yet again. I was like, hmm, that sounds strange. Yes, it was heartbreaking. I agree as well. Thank you for this feedback. Is that okay. all the feedback? She's, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, that's all the feedback. Oh, okay. Wonderful. I thought I was waiting for something else. <laughs> predictions. <laughs> I actually do have predictions this time around. Ooh. Um, Yay. Ooh, I, ooh. Uh, yeah, basically, I do think that Barry will make his own speed force, or will restart the speed force for both him and Wally and their future speed source, speed, speedsters. Um, and I think... You that, think he'll be successful with Caitlin and Cisco rebuilding no. it? No, I think no. it'll take, you know, episodes, right? It probably wouldn't okay. happen until the finale, so we may not happen. We may not Good, see it. We're going to disagree for a minute, but if it's no, not, yeah. I think, that it'll, I think that it'll, it'll end up going, like, remember that time? I know this is an old photo, but um, Candace posted, like, Future Iris. Yeah. I think it was, it was a throwback. But I do think that we will see Future Iris again, because I think that Barry will go to the future um, at some point for some reason. And I think that we will do the rebirth thing where Barry basically restarts the Speed Force in rebirth by being the lightning bolt that strikes himself. Yeah. So I think I like that he that. will. <clears throat> I, I like that. Took yeah. the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I, I think I answered, I think it was Mark um, MG9817. I think that's his handle on Tumblr because he was asking about that 
March uh-huh. MCG 9718, yeah, about the how Barry would generate the Speed Force. And I was saying that, you know, I I don't think that Barry, Cisco, and Caitlin are going to be successful next week just because, one, Barry's trying to copy Thawne, which is not, like, a good thing to right. copy, like, your arch enemy's technique and have it be successful. And then, two, I still think there's that missing component of Iris and the lightning rod concept because that was brought up again in this episode by Iris that Barry calls her his lightning rod and that she's what grounds him. So I mm-hmm. think part of it, she needs to be involved in some way or, you know, he him restarting it has to do with her in some way. So I feel like if they are successful without her, then that's kind of ugly. So, But I yeah, do think yeah. that he'll eventually, he will restart it. But I don't think that it's going to happen the way that Barry initially planned it to for next week. And then I think my other thing was that I noticed in the episode with the whole overpour of the wine and her slowly losing control. Like, I think I said it basically earlier that if one, since now Camilla is also um, a mirror projection, that's more strain on Eva to keep it together when she's not all there together and just like in general and then two, if I don't know if it'd be through Camilla or um, if Iris will somehow kind of figure it out on her own, but if they are able to get get um, Eva to spin out on her own, similar to what she did this week, then it will cause Mira Iris and Mira Camilla to spin out in the real world and hopefully like make it more obvious that something is definitely off. And so the rest of the team from Flash can, like, pick up on it and not, like, brush it under the rug as something else and actually, like, do something about it. Fingers crossed. Love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm along the same lines of thinking, especially with the whole um, future Iris, because I don't – because I feel like if she had posted the photo and had a throwback in there, as she usually does – I mean, it could very well be a throwback photo and she's just throwing us off. But yes, I feel like with the hints of Nora and with the hints of yeah. maybe potentially future Iris, something has to happen within the Speed Force that causes him to like go to the future somehow. Yeah, to see her and then bounce back, whatever. All that good stuff. Think, like it's a really good like this. It adds it adds a little bit of tension to the episode that he is slowly losing his speed. And then, like, they find out that Iris is in trouble. And so now he's in a position where he needs it more than ever to save Iris. He doesn't have it. So it it would make more sense if his, like, attempt to recreate the Speed Force was unsuccessful in 15 because it just adds more tension of he he needs it now more than ever and he, he doesn't have it. So, yeah. I completely agree with that, especially since, like, we know 17 is liberation. So if next week is 15 and then he tries and fails and then 16, I don't know what's going on in 16, but, like, he's part of the whole Joe storyline or whatnot, um, then we can see all of that happen by 17. So very exciting stuff. Um, Is that all for Flash? I think so. I think that's enough. All right. (laughs) Excellent. Moving into Legends of Tomorrow. 
Family affair. Ray plans a date night for him and Nora, but all goes awry when an encore shows up, making the team think on their feet and create a lie to keep the encore at bay, a.k.a. Damien Dark. While trying to fool Damien, Ava learns what Sarah was really doing while she was away and confronts her about it. Charlie and Constantine make a deal to work together, which will benefit both of them. Meanwhile, Rory is upset when he gets negative comments about his book, so Zari helps track down who the critic is, and Rory gets more than he bargained for in the shape, in the form of a daughter that he did not know about from his uh, hookups with, uh, what's her face? Allie. 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 Back in the day. So, yes, Mick has a daughter, and Ray's going to propose. Beautiful. What sparked joy? <laughs> um, well, the way that uh, Ray was going to propose was so uh, sweet and so thoughtful and so Ray, and the fact that he had Bayfraud and Gary and Nate and everyone helping Super cute. And then the fact that they were just like, all right, cool, we're doing this. And then later, when he was like, do you think that I'm rushing it? They're like, oh, thank God, yes. Yes. <laughs> we didn't want to say anything, but now that you said it, we could say it. I love them. They're so cute. I like that they're supportive um, of each other. Yeah. Uh, it was so, like, just, I for me, it was an A-plus episode. Like, I really loved, I thought it was just peak legends. Because it takes such a silly situation, right? Like, and a trope that everyone knows and loves, which is the parents coming home and then, you know, basically hiding the relationship from a parent's situation and made it wild. And then, of course, took something as ludicrous as a parody of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood <laughs> and and made it work to have, and, and had their characters work out their issues in it. Just glorious. We love legends. Um, so, yeah. I also, I love that like at first, you know, Ray was trying to be super supportive, you know, of Nora and, like, let her have her space, even though he had planned this whole beautiful proposal, and then, you know, it was now ruined by her dad, and it took, like, this, like, random child to be like, don't you feel like she's ashamed of you, like, she's hiding you, like, what, you know, <laughs> this child knows more about relationships than all the adults in the room, um, and that child was the one that actually had forced them to, you know, talk uh, their feelings out. Exactly, talk out their feelings, resolve their issues. Through a very in a very childish way, but before that we got to enjoy to the maximum. Uh, Damien Dark back from hell. Um, how great he's! So, I mean, I love Neil McDonough. He's amazing. Uh, and this Damien was just so funny. Like he was because he's clearly like basically a good guy now, but just kind of like just like Nora, he's like still trying to hold on to like the facade of like big evil dude, whatever you know, like to a certain way of living. Because I mean, he's in hell now, so he may as well own it, I guess. Mm-hmm. um and and so they are both just there like trying to be evil but damien is just like so delightful now everything delights him he's just like <laughs> he's like, like constantine he's like wow constantine first he was like i'm gonna kill you he's like oh you're engaged to my daughter she has the best taste she got the best and most excellent magic man <laughs> so um and that was hilarious oh my god when she kissed constantine oh god i wanted to die <laughs> um, and of course, making uh, Ava Lance her henchwoman, um, and the fact that Sarah, you know, like you, I, I could feel like they didn't say Laurel's name, but I was like, I feel the tension. Um, and then, so Sarah was like ready to kill him right off the bat, and then be like, Well, I'm just gonna hide it from Nora. That's fine. But then, because Nora asked her, she's like, I'm gonna keep myself in check and pretend to be the henchwoman. And then even at the end, she didn't, you know, she could have killed him at the end, but but she let him go off, and we had to see him send himself back to hell. It was very sad. Um, but it was really sweet because we there, we see how much uh, Damien has also, I guess, evolved too. Because like, I guess he's always 
cared about his daughter, but he clearly did not know how to express that. He thought that caring about his child meant sending her to a death cult and (laughs) brainwashing her into fulfilling his demonic prophecy or whatever. Um, And so for him to have to face, you know, that he was actually kind of a shitty dad and now turn over a new leaf and let Nora be happy the way that she does deserve to be um, was really nice. And I like, I like, even though it was a lie that he is like, he's like, yes, I'll stay close and I'll come visit you or whatever, you know, it was really sweet. And I also thought that they did a really good, or really good job. Mm, let's not, let's not give them too much credit. Uh, there was a decent explanation for the exit. I liked that they had Damien take Ray aside and say, you know, um, Nora really clearly loves her job. And I think that it would be better if you were on Earth as a home base for her to return to rather than you being on the ship going everywhere and then her being, you know, fairy godmothering everywhere and then you never the twain shall meet. So um, so I like that. Um, and I think that it will uh, play nicely into the farewell episode on Monday. I no longer remember what day Legends is. Tuesday. 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 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, all of that was great. I mean, obviously, um, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, the uh, Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac, uh, was lovely. I loved the sombrero, like the safe space sombrero, and I loved that we got the puppets back. That that Ava Lance worked out their minor issue um, <laughs> with the puppets, um, and that um, even that like the child started off being like, this is boring and I hate it. And then by the end of the episode, she was like, I know how we can solve this with Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac. Um, so yeah, you know, everyone will fall in love with Mr. Rogers eventually. And what else? Hmm. I, you know what? Mick had a plot for once. So I cannot begrudge it. I cannot begrudge that he had the plot. Um, and I even fell for him when he said that, you know, like, he thought his daughter would be better off without him. And also that he recognized that she was basically him. Like, the only thing she does not have is the, the, the police record. The crime yeah, the rap sheet. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, this child is basically Nick. Like, there's no way. Like, obviously, it's Nick's child. Um, so, and and also, I I thought that Zari was, had an interesting perspective on it. Like, I, I liked how she understood Nick, but also was like, hey, you know what family is? more important you know having family is more important than whatever is going on in your little brain because families are very important things for sorry <laughs> so there you go um i just realized that charlie what did charlie do this episode nothing nothing she, she, tried to she argued with constantine. constantine okay yeah that's right that's right she faked being nate right yeah to send to, to to antarctica or whatever um that was funny but I would have liked more Charlie. <laughs> but that was funny. All right. I think that that is that on that. Okay. First, I have to say, because I've been trying to say, I've trying to, like, remind myself to say it every week since the season started, and I just keep forgetting. But I love the, like, the Legends title sequence. I think it's, yes. like, really cool and really, like, well done. It's kind of reminding me of, like, Saturday morning shows. Like, it's coming, like, right after Power Rangers, like, the Legends of Tomorrow. Um so that, yeah, I really like how they they did their, switched up their title sequence. Um, I thought this episode was a feral episode for, for Ray and Nora. So I was going to say, like, this episode was, like, the best feral episode that I never asked for. 
it's probably it might be like my favorite episode new favorite episode of the season it had all the parts that makes like legends legends um like this episode was like simultaneously really heartfelt with ray and nora getting married and then it was also like on crack (laughs) with like the whole mr parker's cul-de-sac and the puppets and everything um it's just like like legends is the adult swim of dc tv and it's great um mr parker's cul-de-sac love this legends take on it um loki did not spark joy that i had to wait until the final 10 minutes to see the legend <laughs> pull us off um but once we got there like oh my god it did not disappoint like i really love mr rogers neighborhood as a kid and you know just like going like gary the train abomination <laughs> was hilarious and on brand um taking them into like the world of uh make-believe and I like how they keep finding a way to bring back the Legends puppets, um, because that was, like, a really fun and crazy episode. Um, Was it last season or the season before? And so the fact that they keep finding ways to bring the puppets back is great, and this time they had it with uh, with Avalanche. Um, And I like that the main, although the main purpose of Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac and Pippa putting everybody in there was to get Nora and her dad to, like, communicate better, all the other couples, and I use that term loosely since Charlie and Constantine were also like a pair in this episode, um, got their issues, had their issues, and they had a chance to talk them out and solve their problems. And this like wonderful, make-believe, kid-friendly world where it's like teaching lessons on how to be like a good person. And, you know, Ava and, and Sarah talking about, you know, Sarah hiding a secret and the secret being like a job offer. So like more stability and... Um, them not like Sarah, like the whole issue with Sarah not knowing how to approach the subject with Ava. Um, and Ava still has like trust issues, and so them being able to talk about that as puppets and come to like a understanding, um, and then encouraging Charlie and Constantine to come to an understanding about you know listening to the other person, um, was all great. <laughs> it was like really, really, really great. I love the safe space sombrero. Like, Damien not being able to speak because he wasn't wearing it was hilarious. Like, him trying to, like, get out words and just, like, nothing coming out. Um, If only Mick and Lyda had been trapped in Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac with the rest of the group, then maybe Mick could, like, get to an understanding with his daughter. But, unfortunately, they were nowhere near that space, so they couldn't do it. But um, it would have helped him as well, I'm pretty sure. Maybe he and Lida should just watch Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac and you know, figure out their issues. Um, I loved uh, Ray's plan on how to propose to Nora and like all like the elaborate five course meal that he had planned and like the ring and the dessert um, and all the guys like rallying around Ray and helping him kind of like pull this off. He had Gary at the mansion but then, like, Nate and Bernard were really supportive, even if they didn't necessarily agree with the timing about it. And it's just, like, really really nice bromance combo between, like, the three of them, because they're all, like, himbos. <laughs> so it's, like, the three <laughs> himbos, the himboteers, like, whatever you want to call it, like, Nate and Bernard. Um, Bernard and Nate are, like, himbo D and himbo dumb. And then, like, you know, of course, Ray is, like, Kimbo number one. So it's just, like, all of their the, – their whole dynamic was just really great. And it, it just kind of makes it even sadder that Ray is going to leave because you know, like, Nate and Bihrad will be just, like, lost without Nate. Because um, he just 
without Ray because Ray just kind of like mm-hmm. grounds the three of them and pulls them together. Um, the like Nora trying to like going overboard to appease her dad and like all the legends getting like roped into her web of lies to um, appease Damien and everything was was really interesting. Like see like have Sarah have to like try to control herself when she just wants to, like, stab Damien with the Hellsword. Um, and, like, at the end, um, when she thought that... Well, first of all, let me back up. Like, the wedding was was really emotional and really sweet, and especially the, the conversation between um, Nora and Damien. And, like, the in Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac, when, when Nora was saying, like, the real reason and why she enjoys being a fairy godmother... Um, which Damien had been looking down on was the fact that she gets to help kids have a better life and be uh, better people and have a better childhood than she had and kind of, you know, was really honest with Damien about, you know, how him being like a shitty dad and him kind of taking that on board and wanting to do, you know, he's just thinking that he's doing the best for his daughter in his like evil mindset so it's like taking on like the the family business and that's not what she wanted so um him just wanting the best for her and being willing to sacrifice like him first him like just bypassing his whole actual reason for being on earth to like reap souls to go see his daughter was really sweet then him also like sacrificing himself because he knows that Nora is okay now and he knows that Nora is safe and Nora is happy was also like really really sweet mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so like when he is leaving and Sarah like catches him on the way out the door and she thinks he's like stolen the hell source so she's like Damien hasn't changed and so she goes after him and then just to see him sending himself back to hell um was all just like really really emotional and um I thought it was really really well done episode so this was a great legends episode I really like that moment before getting into everything else between um, Damien and Sarah about him like apologizing for like what he did, even though he doesn't actually say what he did, but everybody knows right. what he did <laughs> back in like you the Arrow episode. <laughs> yeah, but like how they don't, um, they acknowledge it, they don't acknowledge it at the same time. And it was like a nice moment because it's, it's an apology, but she, he knows that he's never gonna like be really forgiven for it, you know? Um, and it happens like right before he actually goes and sacrifices himself. Um, so I thought that was really well done. And I love the fact that, you know, there's so many elements to this episode that could have gone bad. (laughs) Um, but they obviously they pulled it off really well. Um, Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac was amazing. I think that they, did the tribute to, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood really well. And as a way to combine the children aspect of Nora's job with the adult issues of of miscommunication or lack of communication in general uh, was really, really well done. And it was so creative and the wedding itself was like really emotional. I love the choice to not actually to like mute the whole thing basically. And it was just like gorgeously shot and you can see everybody's happy and Ray and Nora are really happy to finally be together. Um, so all that was really well done. And I'd never thought I'd be sitting here saying that I would 
like Damien Dark's return, like as a villain. Cause I'm like, okay, well he he's a villain. I don't know how they're gonna bring him back. Like, is he gonna be around? Is he gonna, you know, team up with the Fate Sisters and do his thing? Uh, so this was really surprising, but I think that they did it really well because it was a wrap up of his and Nora's storyline, specifically like. Uh, as a father-daughter duo from when they were first introduced on the show to like now and how much they've both grown specifically her like from when we met her to who she is now as a person and the choices that she's made and the friends that she's made and the happiness that she has finally gotten to this point you know in terms of like her mess of childhood and the dynamic that like we always knew that Damien loved Nora, but now it was like getting him to get out of his funk about what he thinks like all parents do, what their parent, what their children should be doing with their lives and what constitutes happiness and whatnot. So it was really nice to see her finally stand up to him and tell him that this was her life and these were not her minions <laughs> or like people who worked for her. So all of that was fantastic and it really it was like the strongest episode, I think, the season because it really showed off all of the friendships and how far all of the legends have kind of gone with each other. And I love that how like easily that fits in with like Ray and Nate and their bromance, like you mentioned, Jessica, and the heartfelt proposal, the attempt at the proposal and like how it all ended up turning out. I'm usually not a fan of putting like I never understood why people put engagement rings into like food right it's like oh i'm gonna break my tooth trying to get this diamond out of my mouth <laughs> so i never understood that but like the way that it played out here for like a bit of comedy and then the fact that I'm it wasn't that even nora believe, that like ava didn't believe that it was for her <laughs> yeah and I, yeah i liked also that she didn't really get mad at it because it wasn't her either um because they're not re- i don't think they're there yet um so <laughs> so that was that was all great and um I love, yeah, the proposal, like the fact that it was messed, you know, it got screwed up and it wasn't how Ray had envisioned it, but then it kind of happened really nicely anyway, was all really great. So it was like just a fantastic, strong episode that really showcased the legend's zaniness and their relationships. Like it was all at the forefront and it was like a nice pre goodbye <laughs> episode and probably one of the best, I think, of the series, to be honest. What did not spark joy? <laughs> um, what a good question. Well, I thought of something else that didn't spark joy as y'all were talking, and then I forgot about it. It was something that y'all said. But I will say that um, Zari being sidelined in Mick's plot, which Jessica will also talk about, was indeed a not sparking of joy. There was no reason why she needed to be in the plot in the first place. She could easily have been... Uh, part of the um, evil fortress of doom for Nora in one way or another. Like, I don't know, she hacks neighboring (laughs) Um, other evil people. I don't know. But anyway, um, so yeah, so it was just kind of like someone had to be there, I guess, so that Mick could talk to someone. But like, if we hadn't gotten rid of Mona, Mona would have been the perfect person because Mona actually cares about Mm -hmm. Mick's books because she also writes them, apparently. Yeah. So like, so, I was like, why is Mick mad about this whole <laughs> troll could be talking about like Mona and not him? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we don't even know. Yeah, at first I was like, is this Mona's book that's bad? But no, apparently it's his. So I was like, okay. But whatever. Um, so yeah, so that was a little silly. 
Um, and then since I can't think of, there was some other plot point that I didn't like, but I will just say that whoever decided that they were going to get rid of Courtney and Brandon is just wrong and also evil. And I hate them. And I never, ever will forgive them. Just like Sarah will never forgive Damien Dirk. Mm -hmm. So they will have to do a lot of groveling and, you know, then send themselves back to hell, I guess, in order for me to be at peace (laughs) with this decision. So yeah, that's all I got because I can't I can't think of anything else. <laughs> yeah, like there's not like there's not a lot of to dislike about this episode. Um, I still think that, and again, like I thought this was the last time, so you know, yay, I'll get to see them like one more time. But I think just that this is the last season that we'll get to see Brandon and Courtney, um, especially like with how well this episode was and how great they were in it, and knowing that we won't get to see them much anymore and how the producers handled that was shitty um it makes it bittersweet kind of like seeing this episode and remember like oh yeah that happened behind the scenes so that that doesn't spark joy um but in like the episode itself um you know like you said like mick has a plot and so we shouldn't diminish the fact that he has a plot because he actually has something to do in episode but the fact that it is so far removed from everyone else and Zari was mixed right along in this episode so she was also sidelined from a much more active and interesting plot which I think that she would have like can you imagine if Zari had to pretend to be like one of Nora's henchwomen like the commie that could have been mine there <laughs> would have been great yeah uh, right now I'm upset yeah so that that was unfortunate because I really enjoyed Zari this season and the fact that she's kind of like sidelined with because Mick was sidelined in an off plot Uh, yeah yeah like I get (laughs) why Nick why Nick why Mick was sidelined because when you think of I mean he has his own story and that's great it's not really sidelining for him just from the group but at the same time like when it comes to showcasing the rest of the relationships, he doesn't have, I guess, arguably as, as strong of a relationship with the rest of the team, like the rest of the team has with each other. Yeah. Um. Like so, Sarah. like, I, I get that. You know, and I'm, I'm glad that he has like a storyline. That's one of my likes. Like, oh my god, Mick finally got something. It wasn't just actual, actually a troll. It was his daughter. <laughs> so that was great. But like, like you guys said, Zari should have been in more of the episode and it would have been also more more fun to see more of charlie like rather than her constantly shape-shifting to to get constantine out of the way especially like after that big reveal last episode but i don't know i also kind of get like they're like oh well you know if we're gonna kick ray and nora off which is also i agree is stupid very stupid and has no reason oh speaking of because i find it stupid in show I was not a f- that much of a fan of the fact that it was Damien to introduce the idea to Ray about leaving the Waverider. Like, I don't know. I know that sometimes you need to hear it from other people, but if they were going to leave, I would have liked it to have been his idea that he thinks it would be, you know, a good idea to just finally settle down so that Nora, they could have like a space because we've seen them sort of have issues with, Nora's job and her coming back to the wave rider and then her falling asleep because she's so tired like instead of having like an actual home um 
So I feel like that could have just happened naturally versus Damien Dark being the reason, like, eh, sort of like a father, I'll kill you if you don't do this for my daughter type mentality. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> he literally said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anywho, <laughs> do we have feedback? Yes, we do. We have it from the ever-reliable Suara. Um, let's see. Come back, Suara. All right. Legends this week was good but mixed. I'm still pissed. There is not good enough reason to fire Brandon and Courtney. They are fantastic on the show. Yes. This is like the one, the fly in the ointment. Um, but having said that, this was such a sweet and meaningful exit. I like Damien's contribution as much as I hate him. I especially liked his his confrontation with Sarah, who needed that closure with this monster. Mm -hmm. I'm happy Ray and Nora got their happy ending, but it was way too soon, and frankly, the producers should be ashamed of hurting them so badly. I agree. Nora barely got to do anything all season, other than be Marie Antoinette. Um, Also, I'm glad this episode gave the perfect opportunity for Mick's exit, but I'm doubtful that will happen. Right? Oh my god, he should just go and be a dad. I thought the same thing! Um, if this one needs to leave the ship, no offense. Yes, his story is beyond done. Take him, not Nora and Ray. Yes, that lie that, that like, Ray that and Nora didn't have any more story. Yeah, whatever. And then, like the the whole him meeting his daughter in this episode, the way that they're building his family on this episode, it's like they're bracing him for an exit. But will they actually make him take the exit, or will they just like have him miss his exit again? Um, let yeah, that was exit, I feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love for them to let him go, especially about, especially if they really think that Ray and Nora's story is done. If they think that story is done and they don't think that Nick's story is done, then they Their are... expired. Like, yes. Past expiration <laughs> date. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love for him to just go live with Allie and take care of his child off screen. Yes, yes, Mick, yes! <laughs> okay. That's, that, that, um, that's all the feedback. <laughs> Excellent. I will add one more dislike. <laughs> it, this is more like a nitpick, but I I was waiting for them to reveal what job exactly Sarah was going to be offered, and I never got oh, it. I was like, wait. <laughs> I, I was like, that was actually is that was Rick, a dislike. Yeah, it was like, is is Renee gonna say what job he's like? If crime is down in Central or, or in Star Why City, like I don't understand. Why would she would go back? <laughs> Why would you ask Sarah? Like, was he, was it, come be a, come be a waitress at Jitters. Like, why was she, I mean, I get, we got the explanation she was considering it because of, like, Ava, but it just seemed, like, kind of, like, weird and out of the blue, like, all of a sudden there's a job offer that she doesn't even tell a team about. Like, not even just Ava, but, like, if she decided to go, like, how would that have, like, gone down? Yeah, that was, that was the dislike I was trying to think of. And I I think it also, it was kind of, like, dirty the way, because it was called from, like, Wild Dog, um, and not, like, well, I don't know if it would be better if it was from, like, Dinah or somebody else, but it just made, like, Ava thinking that Sarah was, like, cheating on her and that, like, whole distress thing, so. Yeah, but they didn't really play up, play it up. I was expecting more because at first when they was, like, wild dog, she was, like, wild dog, you know? And then <laughs> she just put it up, and then we just moved on. It was, like, now it was a job thing. I thought that it was going to go yeah. somewhere else. But, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it was weird. Like, I was just, like, why would Renee have a job for her? Why Why are you using Renee's name and not showing me Renee's face? Rude. I want to pay Renee some money. I know. But... <laughs> yeah, it would have made more sense. Like, I was just visiting my dad, and that's that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And oh, I get that's not even a dislike at this point, but just the fact that Sarah has not mentioned the fact that her dad's alive, I don't think. Yeah. She hasn't, right? 
Mm-hmm. So this is important, Sarah, isn't it? Do you not care? I don't understand. So anyway. Oliver didn't die for nothing for you. <laughs> you yeah. see your father. <laughs> All right. Okay. Going into our final beloved show that is, has its series finale series. My God, no season <gasps> finale. It has been killing the show. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> Black Lightning faces off against Gravedigger and literally they suck at synopses. Okay. So Jamila's dead. Henderson is dead. The body Everybody count is high, dies. people. Yeah. Everybody dies. <laughs> Black Lightning does face off against Gravedigger, except they think they blow him up in the bunker. They do not. He's back. Tobias is off with his family. <laughs> No, it's like think... kidnapped the family in Markovia. Yes. In Markovia. Very concerning. Um, Anissa is barely in, in the episode. Uh, Lynn is back on green light, but they all testify to the Senate about what was going on with Freeland, about how they had their communications cut off, about how, what was going on with Gravedigger and Markovia and how the U.S. government's trash. Uh, so that all happened. And then we get uh, Khalil... Not grave, uh, not uh, painkiller. Who is goes after um, Agent Odell and threatens him, but doesn't kill him. But at least he's taken into custody. So there's that. There are some happy endings. Um, what sparked joy? I think that sparked joy. I like that they with the season finale they tied off stuff in a bow in kind of a complete way. They completed some arcs or the way that they introduced some stories and kind of tied them off at the end. It's, it felt like it was complete, but then you had the, the cliffhanger reveal that Gravedigger is in fact not dead. So therefore he will continue to play a part potentially in the next season. There's enough of a, you know, comeback next season kind of thing. There's um, some unanswered questions that still is open for, you to look forward to for the next season um i liked that the pierce family each had their own kind of mission um to get well no let me back up i like that brandon finally got off his ass once jennifer got captured and he's like you know what i will participate in this little horror (laughs) so him teaming up with jefferson to go rescue Jen um I think they have Jen and Brandon have kind of a good like brother sister dynamic um that they kind of would have each other's backs at all times um so I like that Brandon finally decided to get in the game to help Jennifer um and when they both went up against Gravedigger I don't know that it like makes sense like in the real world like volcanic lightning or whatever beats whatever you know it's like some kind of weird rock paper scissors game where it's like paper beats rock so and like they're like teaming up like this beats whatever you have whatever magnetic field like i don't know if that's like real world science but um the effect was cool when they um both combine their powers to um weaken gravedigger and it kind of gives you know if they can keep growing together, then they could do a lot of other kind of cool stuff. Um, I, I like that they're like, it's kind of like a, a levels to get to the final boss. Like Gravedigger gets to the bunker and first he has to defeat Thunder Grace, um, which the 
fight between getting like Grace to turn on Anissa through his like mind, his original mind meta powers, um, was a good tactic. And there's like a nice like fight sequence between Thunder and Grace. Um, but that that leads into like sad territory that goes with my dislikes. But um, you know, first he had to defeat Thunder Grace, and he had to defeat the Wonder Twins, <laughs> like Brandon and and Jennifer, and then finally he gets to the big boss of Jefferson with Black Lightning and. Um, so I, I liked that kind of like final stage or like advancing to the to the upper levels um, with Gravedigger. I liked that Lady Eve, you know Adele Test, um, Military Barbie, and uh, other guy Jamie Fox show guy. What's his name? I forget his name. Like I forget I forget Military Becky's name all the time. And Military then. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Is her name Grace Gray? Gray? Gray. Commander Gray or whatever. And what's the guy's name? I finally memorized it. (laughs) I forget his as well. Um, But he's tasked them with like tying up loose ends, and both of them got their just desserts. Um, So, like, when I'm just going to call her Military Becky, when she Mm -hmm. took like the squad to Gamby's like tailor shop, and it was a little bit, you know, like surprising that they actually went the writers went through with like destroying that base of operations of Gamby's right. Taylor shop. Um but I like that Gamby and T C didn't die because he got shot at, but he was wearing like a vest so he was good. Um but I like that they handled that situation. So that's a loose end that was like reverse tied up. Like he Odell was like you type loose ends and then they got tied up themselves. Um and then like Jamie Fox dude um when he went to go take care of Lynn and she actually got the upper hand on him. Um, I thought it was because that's another tie that was tied up. Um, I like that Lady Eve got the drop on Military Becky as well in that whole like shootout. <laughs> she got shot, but she's—I don't think she's dead yet. And I like that she was actually like, because um, Lala was like not going to do shit before, but then right. he got the call from Lady Eve, and she convinced him that we need to say freelander there won't be a freeland to run um uh, and then he they came he came out like ridiculously with his um crew just like the one arm all of my chest is exposed but bam 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 i'm <laughs> killing all of you guys um that was a good like calvary coming in right when henderson needed it um the most in that whole like shootout thing um henderson Dying did not spark joy, but the emotions and the acting between um, Cress Williams and Damon Gumpton in that death scene was was really great. It was a really emotional um, scene, and and you know even with like Henderson kind of like making light of the situation while there's a freaking hole in his chest, um, him admitting that he's not ready to die and all that kind of stuff was really like heart heartbreaking um to see um what else did i like i don't know that i like that jace died i thought that was surprising though i do like that oh painkiller painkiller and khalil like um painkiller was had his sight set on jen and then we get pulled back into the matrix a little bit with like khalil versus painkiller and the fight and i just like Jordan Calloway, like, physically, like, he's really nice to look at until there's, like, two of him. 
both funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I really liked the the, and he's really great. He's they've gotten like a lot to do as far as like stunts and martial arts um, choreography. So I'm sure like he had a blast this season, and it was you know really another good really fight sequence between him and himself. Um, so I liked that he was finally able to get the upper hand. Excuse me, on painkiller, um, but it it doesn't mean like Khalil's not like hundred percent, you know, good and peaceful because we saw at the end of the episode when he got to Odell and he did confront Odell, um, and Jefferson tried to like talk him down. Khalil was like, nah, and like she's we he like half, you know, half does it like Odell is still alive, but he shoots him in the spine and kind of like paralyzes him so he's giving like Odell the same uh, injury that basically took away like a lot of his opportunities so he's you know kind of like paying it for paying the pain for it um, so there's still like this kind of uh, gray morality area like Pinkiller's still inside there with some kind of mission that he just won't let go of to kill the Pierce family um, but also having Khalil doesn't exactly mean that they still have the same Khalil that, that he used to be because he's also changed as well, just himself. Um, so I think that offers more uh, area to explore what this kind of new version of Khalil will look like and what he, what will motivate him going on in like next season and beyond. So um, and I guess like one final thing, like Lynn creating like the anti booster. I don't. It's not really a like, but it's just kind of interesting how they had Gravedigger and Gravedigger's whole like persona. It's, it felt very Superman to me, like evil Superman, and like the way like he just kind of like levitates to the ground. Like his his flight is a little bit like I am all powerful Superman. He had like laser eyes, and like when Lynn shoots him in the back, it's like green, so it looks like kryptonite. He looks like he's getting like exploded in the back with like kryptonite, and that like zapped all his powers. So I just thought that was a really interesting way that they did that. But that's it. That's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> I thought it was a really good um, finale. Like they wrapped up all of the many uh, storylines they had, all the spinning plates that they had in the air. They managed to mostly um, catch them all. Uh, and tie them together nicely. Um, so glad, so glad that the ASA got their comeuppance. Oh my God, shutting down the ASA. Blessed and highly favored. Um, also super glad that um, Gravedigger is, is not in a grave. I'm so glad that he is alive. And he came out of there. I didn't even, like, I don't know what his goal is right now. Like, what his long-term plan is or what his short-term like plan is. I could is, tell if he was, like, proud of exactly. his family or he was just like, I'm still alive and I'm just going to continue to fuck things up. Because, like, this is kind of going in a direction that, you know, like, making the government accountable, right? Right. Gotta go in some so, like, direction his, that he wants. It was, so. he succeeded yeah. in that yeah. thing. But is he done? So Right. Yeah. I'm sure he's not done. He but. will infiltrate the government. <laughs> Yes, yeah, but I love that he's alive and that we can still have him because I do think he is a really great big bad and it's a shame that we had to wait until the very last little stretch of episodes to get to see him in his uh, glory. Um, But I loved the different, like, face-offs that he had, right? 
obviously um like with jefferson where he just didn't even care like he's like yeah i'm so sure that i am your great uncle also i don't care um and also i loved his little like you know um history lesson with jennifer um not just because it was like i love like the banter and that like she's always like has some a response for him um with the going back and forth so i feel like in a way you could even see that he's like you know what i like her Mm, i see that but also that he has a point, you know, like that, that the history is so painful in that the government, the U.S. has been so shitty, you know, that there is, you know, and nothing has worked yet, let's say. Right. So he's like, but what about this? And then, of course, she's like, mm, pretty sure that that's just basically, you know, taking away anyone's rights and choice. So actually, it is bad. I am sorry to say it is not helpful. Um, but yeah, I really like that scene. And then um, I love I love that we have a whole like black lightning team now but it doesn't even really feel like it, it's not like all like confined and like claustrophobic the way it is in other shows sometimes where before they get the hang of it it's like everyone is working on their own piece wherever they are doing what they have to do but they are all a unit um which i like um i lynn also got a little bit of a face-off um with with grave digger um grave digger <laughs> so that's also, I loved, I liked her um, encounter with Man, who, Jamie Foxx Man, I don't know his name. Who is his name? I don't know. We already said we don't know his no, name. Yeah, Not Gray. I like, I, I wrote it down, because if you <laughs> said it, and I wrote it down, and I just can't find it. <laughs> like you, yeah, I don't like, like... You're like, I'm hmm? so sorry to this man. We don't know your yeah, name. Yeah, sorry to this man. Sorry to this man. Like Jessica, it's not like I'm a fan of the fact that he just killed Jason, just like, apropos of nothing. Um, but I did like that Lynn figured it out. And that Lynn tried to reason with him. And then when she could not, she was like, well, you got to go now. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> if you're not going to work with me, I guess you'll have to die. So, um, yes, I love that. Um, Tobias, just, you know, I'm glad that he kind of like held back. I'm glad that he wasn't really a part of the action right now. But I guess it's like good to see that he's just still being as creepy as ever. And that he's going to make his. Make his presence known next season. I hope that he teams up with, with Gravedigger, I guess, you know? I feel like they would be interesting at each other's throats. So. Yeah, that'd be an interesting dynamic, actually. Mm-hmm. But, um. But, but Tobias isn't no Lady Eve's back, though, right? Yes. Well, I'm more excited for that. I just hope Lady Eve's alive. But, like, like you said, I loved Lady Eve, like, figuring out the ASA were trash, um, shooting them up. And then letting Lala know, like you said, like she actually does care about Freeland at large, even if some of her methods are shady or whatever, you know, Lady Eve is awesome. And she was like, okay, Lala, get your ass in gear because ASA are garbage. Um, so that was good. Uh, yeah, I really hope Lady Eve's alive. <laughs> Obviously, I did not like the Henderson's death, but like you said, the acting, the performances were really nice. I will have some dislike, let it go. Aside from the fact that he shouldn't be dead and it's rude, just <laughs> let him go. More than that. Um, I really loved the Khalil painkiller internal struggle, externalized. Um, I also love, of course, that it was triggered by him saying, uh, starting with, you know, your mouthy, the one who talks, he said something like he was like, he was like that now the girl that you love or the one that talks a lot you know what i'm saying like she said something like he said something like attitude i don't know he said something about Jennifer, and then Khalil was like okay well now i must take over sure. um and then of course i love that he uh tracked down uh odell and finally did what no one had the balls to do all season long or really two seasons now i'm so tired of odell i'm so glad i mean i guess he's not dead but at least he's suffering 
um, and also out of power. So it's great. And I also, I did love that. Um, Jefferson was like, no, don't do it. Don't be a killer. And then he was like, okay, I'll just take the middle road. <laughs> just shoot him with the spleen. See, he'll be uh-huh. fine. He's not going to die. <laughs> so um, that was, I enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm glad that, like you said, it's like, it's uncertain. We don't, there's always going to be that element of like, painkiller is inside Khalil, but it is possible for him to gain control of it. And then we can see him hopefully as like a kind of anti-hero, right? Or kind of like also cleaning up the streets, but has a different way than Black Lightning, clearly. Yeah. So success. Um, yeah, getting to see Anissa and Jennifer both like you know with oh like jennifer and brandon fighting together that was awesome when they're like it's lava <laughs> um that was like what did they say like like magnetic or like lighting loud magnetic lava beats like magnetic something else i'm like what kind of like rock paper scissors <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was great <laughs> oh my god and it actually did hold them off for a bit so it was good um, but yeah, and then um, Anissa and Grace getting to, you know, fight together for a little bit before uh, tragedy Fighting struck. each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm, I guess now you know what it feels like, Anissa. Now I have to tell Jennifer, oh wait, I guess that has also happened to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, all of it. Also, I loved, like I already said, like, you know, them actually holding the government accountable, having the the trial having them like not like lynn um testify and black lightning testify and then at the end like they're together right like they're leaving together mm-hmm. as a family unit which we haven't you know hadn't seen for so long in the first half of the season thank god we we're finally getting back yeah and it bodes well for season four so yeah there you go that was that power walk right there i love that <laughs> yeah. slow-mo it was amazing. Yeah, so I loved all of that too. Um, I especially liked um, like you said, Lady Eve does care about Freeland at large and the fact that she even alerted Gamby to the they were coming for this, the briefcase um, was really oh. important too because you know that what she went through to, you know, keep that thing and then give it away and all that stuff. With the, like it's the briefcase is the, the key. <laughs> so finally it's in, you know, the hands of someone who can do something about it um so that was really well done and i <laughs> i hear jessica about jordan Calvary. i can't like especially in the scene in the car like they they've somehow managed to find a balance with his character so we get like khalil but then we also get like ruthless him at the same time and like he does so well in it yeah 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 so like he's sitting in the car behind uh agent odell and he's just like very calm and collected so you think it is painkiller but it isn't like he's finally in control and i liked seeing that like that whole dynamic between um like him caught between painkiller and that fight that whole choreographed fight scene was so great um but and agent odell actually fearing for his life because he thought for a second that he had the upper hand and he had the like the, the keyword or the the word that would set him off mm-hmm. um and then he didn't so he's like oh shit and <laughs> you can see it on his face and it was great that someone finally got the upper hand on this rude rude man <laughs> all season <laughs> i'm just say other things about him 
But he's awful, and I'm so glad that the ASA was completely taken down. But that Gravedigger at least, like, survived because I agree. He's, like, a fantastic villain. And what was great about the finale is that we got we got the fight scenes with him. And, you know, he was held off for a little bit. But obviously he wasn't defeated. And it didn't go on for longer than it needed to, you know, where it was, like, very unrealistic that these people were taking him on because he's, like, a super powerful meta. Um, so all of that was great. And just, yeah, the Pierce family, like, working together and seeing all the little bits of Freeland that we've seen over the course of the season, you know, doing their thing. I, I really like the Lala and Henderson scene where, like, you know, the cops are in hiding and then he shows up, but he sees Jefferson or he sees Henderson and he's like, yeah, we're the cool. Black man you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that because um, it just shows how far everyone has come and like working together in the resistance and trying to like help Freeland out. So all that came for full circle. And I love that. Um, did not obviously like Henderson's death, but the fact that it was like you guys said, like the performances, the moments between him and Jeff, like what he had to say, the fact that Jeff was telling him he was his best friend. I was in tears. The, it was set to take me to your river sobbing endlessly um so all that was like really well acted um and i really like you guys said like everyone got their moment everyone got their time to shine uh they took on gravedigger for a little bit and then they like brandon finally got his ass moving even though he's probably going to be upset that as soon as he turned his back (laughs) someone went and shot jace (laughs) (laughs) but like it was nice that he wasn't stubborn about like what's going on yeah so he was actually helpful and then a whole shootout with the asa coming to gamby's shop like my the first thought that crossed my mind was like does anybody actually come here to get taylor's like i don't know what happened there (laughs) so the fact that he you know got the upper hand and was able to him and tc to get out was great so yeah it was like i think it was a really strong finale in terms of tying up certain plots and moving the story forward but ending like the massive ASA power trip that they were on and then getting some, you know, answers about Markovia and all the, the pod metas. Whew. What did not spark joy? Jamila died. <laughs> like, um, like she, they, you know, they introduced her and she was like in a lot of the episodes early on being like, you know, on the pulse of the conflict. And then she disappears for several episodes at a time. And they finally bring her back to report on the war. And she gets shot in the back. Oh, my God. Like, what was the reason? <laughs> Why did you do this? Um, so that was, like, surprising or shocking. Henderson dying, obviously, was also, like, really sad. Um, we had, like, dismissed this possibility early because Damon, like, let the cat out of the bag. And we're like, no, like, he wouldn't do that if he was dying. But I guess, like, he really just didn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm not going to be here. Um, and it was because he died. Um, so, obviously, uh, that, I think, I don't know if that was, like, uh, shocking or maybe less shocking because he had said something. But just within the scope of the episode, it it was really, did not spark joy that, you know, he died, obviously. Um, Lynn still having a stash of green light. I feel like she made it when she was making the anti-booster because um, she probably needed some to create the anti-booster. She's like, well, I have a stash. Let me just make some extra just in case. 
So, I mean, on the one hand, I said before that I didn't think that they would, they got their plot point out of it by having Glenn take green lights. I'm like, they're probably not going to bring it up and they're just going to have to be stuck with the fact that they just used her, made up an addiction for her for plot point reasons. Um, But now that it's back, I don't know. uh, I mean, I assume that it's going somewhere, but I just, I didn't, I don't like the story in the first place. So (laughs) the fact that it's coming back is not great. Um, Grace is in a coma now. So that was another thing we were saying, you know, like the wedding, it, it further contrasts the wedding from last week and why the writers probably went that route to say, to rush them into getting married because obviously they weren't going to do it that episode. And then they threw a big wrench in the plans in this episode with having Grace have to fight Anissa and Anissa having to use her full power to stop Grace. And that winds up like hurting Grace and putting her in a coma. And um, they don't know because of like her, the way her powers work um, and the changes that she's undergoing, if that coma is going to be long-term or short-term or however long it's going to be. So um, I was hopeful that they were going to, because they seem to be going into a direction where they want to explore Thunder Grace more, explore Grace's powers more. Her being in a coma, I feel like, is an out to have her missing from episodes again in season four. So Mm -hmm. kind of, like, skeptical about that. Um, But I would hope that it doesn't last too long. But, you know, you just never know with Black Lightning's previous track record of writing Thunder Grace which direction it's going to go in. So that's a little bit off-putting. I mean, it, it definitely stretches out the time between when they can actually get married, because she can't really get married if she's in a coma. Um, and it could open up some more um, storylines for if she does wake up, and then how it, does that change anything between her and Anissa? Oh. Uh, is she still affected by Gravedigger's command, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, a little bit of an unshaky ground for Thunder Grace at the end of the season. Um, I didn't mention uh, Tobias's plot in my likes. It was, you know, I mean, it was like interesting because we we figured out like we get a little bit of a taste of like Markovia, but then he's not staying in Markovia. He's coming back to Freeland next season. So I just kind of feel like, you know, she's kind of like there, like okay, <laughs> we didn't really learn anything new. Other than that, he can kill people, and he still wants Lynn. So, to buy Lynn is still a thing. But <laughs> 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 that's something. Yeah. Um, I think my, I definitely killing off Camilla was just so unnecessary. Like it was like to show you, like it's real now. And I was like, it was always real. I was always yeah. scared. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> and it was so like random like I don't know like I guess like yeah obviously reporting is like dangerous but like like you said like bring her back just to just to offer like that like she wasn't even relevant like who was yeah. we don't even know who was watching her things like Nobody. it's like someone was watching letting the broadcast <laughs> so I was just like okay <laughs> um so yeah so I didn't like that also not only do I not like that Henderson is dead and that um Damon Gumpton does not have a job. Yep. 
is currently unemployed. Oh, he might have won something else. I'll set that. I don't know. But um, I am I crazy or he didn't mention his wife or daughter in that dying scene? He didn't. Like, no. I'm like, you have a wife and daughter. Can you at least say, like, tell blah, tell blank that I love her? Tell, you know, child, look after my child? Like, nothing, nothing. I was waiting. I even, like, I think like, I went back because I was, like, because my feed cut out. My, my, my live stream cut out literally at the scene because it did not want me to see. It was like, I close my eyes so I do not see it. And then it was I so disrespected. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was the white man blinking. So um, I downloaded it and then i had to go back to be like you didn't mention you didn't mention his family okay i guess his his life was just henderson and he's like well i've done my duty which was dying so that you could live goodbye so anyway i did not like that um which i feel like just goes to speak like just goes to show what a non-character like you know they didn't ever give him anything it's been like three seasons and he was just there being friends with with jefferson so that's fine whatever i'm mad about this um, aside from that, I do, the, the Jace death was anticlimactic and makes Brandon's little vengeance and search for his dad all the more just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, will he find out about his dad now? Do we care if he does? Is he connected to Markovia in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> I guess not. So, yeah, that was just like, okay, sure. Um... Lynn taking more green light. I think that like I I wouldn't be as upset if we hadn't had ups- I mean not like I'm that upset, but I feel like we had made good progress when she threw them out like that she showed the girl too and like she asked for their help. Yeah. yeah. Like so I thought like I want to see more of that and not like now she's just secretly just doing it, you know? So I don't know. I feel like that kind of like negates the previous one. Like yes, obviously you could fall back into the addiction, but I feel like it's not even addiction like it is obviously an addiction but like she's consciously like i'm gonna take these so i can be strong like my family so i can take out that dude so i can you know <laughs> so i can hold my own with grave digger whatever you know so i don't like that um and it's like now there's no there's no reason for it because like the threat the evil has been defeated apparently but right. she can't let it go yeah. So now, 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 I guess it's similar to what Jefferson, how she calls Jefferson's powers an addiction, right? Because <laughs> now it is literally the powers that she's addicted to, and not the drug. <laughs> Although I'm sure she is also addicted to the drug. But what I'm saying is, what she wants out of his powers. <laughs> okay, you understand what I'm saying? All right. Um, I think that that's. I mean, no, no. I mean, I have to because you already said so much of it that I was like, I don't need to say it, but I do. Um, so putting Grace in a coma, just so that, like you said, you know, Sean, they can leave Chantal out of a couple episodes for whatever reason. It also feels like they're like, it's super variable. It could be 10 minutes or it could be 10 years because it's like, oh, we don't know what, you know, since we won't offer her a regular contract, we won't know how long her other work is going to take. So it'll just, when it's done, she'll wake up, I guess. Um, I honestly feel like they probably just write her scenes just totally separately and then they just insert them into the episodes. But okay, we'll just put the scene in here. She's available. Okay, we're gonna do the scene. <laughs> so, I uh, hate that. Um, and also, uh, I feel like it veers um, uncomfortably close to the barrier gaze trope. I know it's, like, mm. not because she's alive, but, like, it is unfortunate 
that now we have given like Anissa has the you know the rep- the storyline with the representation that we are wanting, and then it's like constantly being derailed or like you know life threatened or whatever because for whatever reason this is not the or, child like, they have chosen. Now, will Anissa if she does wake up, will Anissa push her away because like I could have killed you, I could have hurt you. Yeah. Da, da, da. I don't know. No. <laughs> we hate to see it. We hate to see it. All right. That's that's my dislikes. <laughs> yeah, I really hate that. I was I was literally screaming at my TV. I was like, really? Is this what you're gonna do? You're gonna put her in a coma? <laughs> like make it make sense. Um, I hate that. So not only will Anissa possibly push Grace away, but now she'll probably feel guilty for what she did, and that will be an ongoing storyline just to throw a wrench into the relationship and I'm not a fan because this show has already spent a long time not developing this relationship at all and then when we finally got it we have all of these obstacles instead of actually putting in the effort to grow the relationship grow them as people together um so I'm not really happy about that because well first of all like Grace is sitting there Lynn is a doctor and she's like it could be this long, but like she's not even hooked up to any machines. Like this woman is in a coma without any fluids. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but it's just super frustrating because they teased everyone with a wedding and now we don't even know when that's going to happen, if it'll ever happen. And I, I still can't understand why they won't go all in with this relationship. And it's really, really annoying. Um, I'm really mad that they killed – I hope they didn't kill her, but she's probably dead. Jamila shouldn't have died. Henderson obviously shouldn't have died. Like, they killed all of the Resistance members that is not – that are not Anissa. Um, so that was very upsetting because we could already see, like, what was going down in Freeland and, and what was happening. So we didn't need to see them losing their lives to prove a point. Because Henderson was finally getting something more than usual. And it's not cool that they just decided to, like, kill him while he was... Poor man was staying in the middle of the woods doing his thing. Um, and not even have, like, a build-up to it beforehand. It just, bam, there it was. So, that was annoying. And then... I didn't love Jace, but her dynamic with Lynn was really interesting. And then we had her the whole thing with Brandon, like you said, now that she's dead, like what was the point of that? But also without her, she I feel like she was the only one who was detached from Lynn in a way where she could sort of tell her things that her family couldn't get through to her. Um, and they had like a fascinating, challenging relationship. And I'm mad that she died because now we'll, we won't have any of that anymore. Um so yeah, all those deaths were unnecessary. I feel like those characters could have done a lot more. Um, and Grace is I mean, practically dead at this point, which is very upsetting. So all that stuff was, was not cool. Um, but besides that, yeah, it was a strong episode. But I don't see why those people had to die to move the story forward. Do we have yeah. feedback? We have a feedback from Aswara. Black Lightning was great. But, I had, but it had some weak points, even though it felt like it took forever. I'm so glad the storyline with Markovia and the ASA finally came together. The final fight against Pankow was really good and a dramatic high point, especially with the Pierce family working together. Gravedigger, right? 
What wasn't so great was Henderson's death. Like, why? And how it felt really premature for his character. Also, Grace in a coma? Okay, I guess. Ugh. <laughs> that just reads as drama for the sake of drama. I actually yep. like Lynn still dealing with her addiction because there's potential for actual character storyline with it for her next season. I also kind of like Khalil becoming an anti-hero. Me too! The show does some weird things sometimes, some of which I like and some of which I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent way to put it. Um, oh, and then this this is the new the new one. Ooh, longtime listener. Oh, it's Brother Nate! Oh my god, from the Black Lightning Podcast! Ooh! Oh, hello. Nate, first time feedbacker. Before I get to my thoughts on the Black Lightning season finale, can we pour out some liquid, some liquor? liquor. Why can't I read today? Um, <laughs> can we pour out some liquor for all the people that we lost this week? Yeah. Rest in power yes. to Chief Henderson, semi-recurring reporter Jamila from Clapback News. <laughs> crazy ass Dr. Jace and all the random members of the ASA and Markovian armies that we really didn't care about. <laughs> Truth. Um, now that that's out of the way, can we talk about how great Wayne Brady has been? Yes. I never thought I'd see Wayne on a show like this, but in his short time on Black Lightning, he's fit in extremely well with the already excellent cast. I love the Killmonger meets Magneto, Magnegro vibe that Wayne gives the character. And I can't wait to see him show up in Freeland again. I totally agree. I think he's, like, definitely, I'm so glad he's still here because he's, like, the best villain. Um, Sorry, Tobias. Sorry to this man, but Tobias is now second best villain. I think my favorite thing about the finale, aside from Khalil beating Painkiller, was that the Pierce family finally got to end the season on a happy note. Yes. Yes. Granted, Sister Lynn is back on that stuff, but at least she's an addict that gets to power walk side by side with the rest of her beautiful family. That's progress, guys, right? <laughs> the only things I didn't like about the episode are that I wish Grace wasn't in a coma and that they killed Jace in such a nonchalant manner. Yep. Yeah. Because let's be real, having a dead white lady in his apartment is just going to create more problems for Brandon. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't even think of that! Poor Brandon! That child is stressed enough as it is. <laughs> All in all, a nine a nice conclusion to another solid season. I give it nine. Anissa definitely stopped by Kate's bar when she was in Gotham, right? Out of ten. Oh, that <laughs> would have been so nice. great work, ladies, and stay safe <laughs> in these trying times. You too, brother Nate. Stay safe. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your feedback. Ladies Gumption nominee and winner. So we're gonna do this all together because we missed it in the first half. So who is our Lady with Gumption nominees for the side A and the side B. Oh my goodness. Well, side A, I think um, Cara for Supergirl, because not only she stepped up in her personal relationships, but also she literally stopped the villain of the week by having compassion and talking her down. So true. So wise. Agreed. Uh, I totally support Cara um, for, for Supergirl. And then Batwoman. I would say maybe so, so for coming out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Coming out to her mom. Um, she had her mom, and, you know, she she, she had some fun. Kicked really ass. Kicked Yeah. yeah. And then was honest with herself, oh, you know, honest lie. enough with herself. She put out, like, a promo picture of, like, or the trailer of Duella, like, pushing Sophie up against the wall, like, trying to, like, validate Luke's thing about <laughs> she can't have a girlfriend, and it was a lie. <laughs> it was a lie. Lies. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. And for side B. And then for side B. Whew. Um, Flash? 
Where they really he has to go for for oh, Mirror Iris. Yeah, Mirror Iris. Yeah, Mirror Iris for shooting Camilla. <laughs> <laughs> for trying to keep it together while Ava was losing her shit, and for shooting Camilla when and for when having it... to continue pretending that she likes these people. <laughs> yes. Um, oh my god, I totally forgot to, to talk about that scene with Barry, where he's just like crying by himself yeah. in the corner, and she didn't even touch him, and then she was like... <laughs> you know, and it was like, it's funny, because earlier when he was talking to Wally, he's like, I can't even tell, like, he was so devastated about having to tell Iris, like, Iris is gonna be so disappointed in me, and then he tells yeah, him, I don't care! Great! Yeah, whatever! <laughs> and then when she was like, we can start a family, and I was like, you've been spending every night at the Citizen. Uh, I don't think you know how to start a family. It does not work like there's some stuff that you're missing in like starting that family there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, she's gonna pull some shards in the mirror out and be like, it's a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. um, For legends, I definitely think think Nora. Nora, yes. Nora. Um Black Lightning. Because I'm like Everyone had a role to play, but I don't know that anyone was like the overarching, you know? Maybe Jennifer for making lava. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe maybe Jennifer. <laughs> but that's like a like a really like she's definitely gonna get dropped in this yes. like pile. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so we're gonna drop Jennifer. <laughs> I think overall and... has to be Nora. Yeah, I would say Nora. She came like she she stood up to her demon dad. And chose love. What she wanted. Yeah. And I just think, like, her arc in general of, like, why she loves being a fairy godmother and the yeah. is, like, really, really... It's a childhood she never had. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Hey, Nora. I agree with this. Nora. All right. Wonderful. So Nora is our Lady of Gumption of the week, probably for the last time ever. Um, I know, very sad. But thank you for listening. Stay safe. Hoard the toilet paper if you must. No, do not hold the toilet paper. Caring is caring, people. (laughs) That's true, that's true. Do not be individualists in this economy. Yes. Think of others. Sick at all. Stay home. You know... Just like think with safety first in mind, but also stay logical, yes, and be cautious. And that wash is all for us, this week. yes. And wash and your legs, people. Wash everything, take baths. Um, we will see you next week where all the shows are back again, except obviously for Black Lightning. And that is all. Thank you, and good night. Bye. Bye.